Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Today is Friday, December 8th, 2023. Coming up, I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered, streaming live on the Black Star Network. A South Carolina deputy is out of a job and facing criminal assault charges for punching a black man in the face multiple times during an arrest. We'll talk with the legal team for Richard Duncan. A Texas family is still waiting for answers about how their loved one died while working as a correctional officer assisting in an inmate extraction. Jovian Motley's family attorney will join us. The overall unemployment rate took a dip in November, but for black men, it jumped more than a point. We'll talk to an economist about the numbers. Also, I sat down with the author and founder of The Young Turks, Cenk Uger, about his new book, Justice is Coming, how progressives are going to take over the country and America is going to love it. Yeah, it got a little hot in this conversation. It is time to bring the funk. I'm Roland Martin Unfiltered on the Black Star Network. Let's go. He's got whatever the miss, he's on it. Whatever it is, he's got the scoop, the fact, the fine. And when it breaks, he's right on time. And it's rolling. Best believe he's knowing. Putting it down from sports to news to politics.
former South Carolina sheriff's deputy is out of a job and facing assault charges for beating a suspect, and a supervisor got demoted for not filing paperwork in a timely manner. James Hank Carter has been charged with misconduct uh, in office. Uh, that's uh, third-degree assault and battery charges. This took place against Rashard Duncan. His supervisor, uh, Tim Carroll, was demoted from sergeant to master deputy for waiting 19 days to turn in the use-of-force packet to his supervisors. On October 21st, after a brief high-speed and foot chase, uh, Carter uh, punched Duncan several times in the face. It's all on body cam video that's been released by the Charleston County Sheriff's Office. Check this out. Man, that's why. Hey, I, put my fucking I don't give a shit what you reaching for, dude. <laughs> Negative, just one person. <sighs> I think you slick. Enjoy that little nap. Joining me from Rashad Duncan's uh, legal team in North Charleston, South Carolina, attorney Marvin Pendervars and investigator Kevin uh, Hollingshed Sr. Glad to have both of you here. So, uh, first off, um, there was a car chase. What happened here? Why were they chasing him? Well, first off, thank you for having us on this evening, Mr. Martin. So I'll tell you exactly what happened. Um, there was a high-speed chase that took place with Mr. Duncan. There were some sheriff's deputies from Charleston County on October 21st of this year that uh, were chasing him. Ultimately, that high-speed chase led to Mr. Duncan, Duncan getting to his home near his residence, where he then left the car, fled on foot, uh, this particular deputy, former deputy uh, Carter, pursued Mr. Duncan on foot. Um, at some point, Mr. Duncan had uh, positioned himself in a position of surrender. Uh, he had basically had—he was on his knees. He had his hands down by his side, essentially saying, I give up, I surrender. Uh, but notwithstanding that, this deputy uh, continued and, and assaulted him, as you saw in the video. Uh, grabbed him by the neck, punched him in the face, threw him to the ground, and continued to hit him in the face with closed fist about eight more times. And so, uh, uh, clearly, he's punching him because he's pissed. It's not like he needed to punch him to subdue him. 
That that's exactly right, and and that's why you know it was it determined that what he was doing was excessive. Uh, he was uh, fired once it came to light, but what he did was was certainly excessive and over the top, and not necessary uh, to subdue him or, or to gain control of the situation. Um, have y'all uncovered um, uh, any other actions by this officer, by this former officer, his supervisor? Absolutely. And, and actually, what's come out is this particular deputy not only had a history with Mr. Duncan, which shows that there was some personal animus that he'd already had toward this particular suspect, and he was essentially a ticking time bomb, but he's already been sued before. This deputy has had previous complaints filed against him for similar conduct. Uh, there was an incident where he had um, he essentially chased another young man, a black man, and assaulted him with his flashlight. And, and, and knocked him out cold, right? And so this particular pattern of conduct is something that is not new to Mr. Duncan's situation. This is something that this deputy has been known for. Um, and, and again, he's had prior um, uh, instances where he's been reprimanded and written up and, and had complaints filed against him because of this misconduct. And so as this investigation unfolds, we start to learn more information about this particular deputy. So, um, what is uh, next uh, for uh, your team? Well, obviously, we're going to be pursuing legal action. Uh, but right now, what we've done is we've asked for the sheriff's office uh, to release all the video that they have so that the public can see exactly what happened, how it unfolded, and, and what happened to Mr. Duncan. Uh, two, we want to make sure that there is a thorough thorough investigation into this sheriff's office. What I will tell you is what happened to Mr. Duncan is just not isolated to him. Uh, this sheriff's office has had a history of misconduct uh, recently and, and certainly in, in past instances where um, victims have, have been victimized by deputies. And so we've got to make sure that we uncover what's going on. Uh, but more alarming, and, and it, I believe you alluded to it at the beginning, where the supervisor who was involved in this was reprimanded because of his conduct. We've got to find out who else has been complicit in this, right? Um, was Miss, you know, the the manner by which this deputy acted, um, being so irate, uh, being so ready to assault this young man and and, and bring about physical harm on him immediately, it, it begs the question. One of obviously the history that they've had, but also who else knew about this? Um, who else was complicit in this? Um, was there anybody else that tried to basically brush this under the rug? Yeah, we commend the sheriff's office for ultimately firing him and, and, and bringing charges against him. Uh, but, you know, at, who else is involved? And, and, and how long has this kind of conduct been going on? It speaks to the training that's going on at the sheriff's office. Uh, the hiring practices at the sheriff's office, and it's something that we intend to get to the bottom of as we pursue uh, legal action, but obviously making sure that we, we get an investigation as well. All right. Gentlemen, anything else? Well, the, the, the last thing I'll tell you, Mr. Martin, and, and probably one of the most alarming things about this is, you know, there's a narrative that's being put out there that essentially is trying to kind of disparage and, and, and bring a disrepute to the victim. And, and so often in these cases where you've got law enforcement uh, that's attacked and, and, and caused harm to someone, they try to bring the victim's past life or what's happening to try to, to justify the officer's actions. And there was a quote by the officer's attorney who said, um, and I'm paraphrasing a bit, but basically he said, if an officer, if the officer is not, it does not have a complaint filed against him, then an officer is not doing his job. And that's alarming.
because that promotes that kind of conduct that tells these officers that it's okay, that essentially you've got to do what you've got to do to gain compliance and, and to make sure that people listen to you and, and do what you have to do on the streets. And they're real victims. It can cost people's lives. Thankfully, Mr. Duncan is here to tell his story, but the next person might not be. And that's why we're here to talk about it. That's why we're pursuing legal action. And we thank you for the opportunity to share Mr. Duncan's story. All right, gentlemen, I surely appreciate it. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much. Folks, going to a break. We come back. We'll chat with this, but with my panel. Also, lots of other stuff we're going to talk about uh, on uh, today's show. Uh, folks, you don't want to miss this. Uh, do not forget, folks, support what we do. First, if you're watching on YouTube, hit that like button, y'all. Hit that like button. All right? Make it happen. Second of all, uh, you can uh, join our Bring the Fuck fan club. See you check in money orders to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 2003-7-0196. Cash app, sign RM Unfiltered, PayPal, R. Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale, rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Rolling at rollingmartinunfiltered.com. We'll be right back. Next on The Black Table with me, Greg Carr. We featured the brand new work of Professor Angie Porter, which, simply put, is a revolutionary reframing of the African experience in this country. It's the one legal article everyone, and I mean everyone, should read. Professor Porter and Dr. Vlethia Watkins, our legal roundtable team, join us to explore the paper that I guarantee is going to prompt a major aha moment in our culture. You crystallize it by saying, who are we to other people? Who are African people to others? Governance is our thing. Who are we to each other? The structures we create for ourselves, how we order the universe as African people. That's next on The Black Table, here on The Black Star Network. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. Hi, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? 
good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. And on the next frequency, Professor Janelle Hobson joins us to talk about hip-hop and its intersection with feminism and racial equality, plus her enlightening work with Ms. Magazine and how the great Harriet Tubman connects with women in hip-hop. So it was not hard for me to go from Harriet Tubman to hip-hop, honestly, because it is a legacy of, of Black women's resistance and Black women supporting our communities. That's what Harriet Tubman did. That's on the frequency on the Black Star Network. What's up, everybody? It's your girl, Latasha from the A. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. All right, folks, uh, let's uh, welcome our panel to uh, today's show. Uh, joining us is Michael Imhotep, host of the African History Network show out of Detroit, Monique Presley, legal analyst and host to Make It Make Sense with Monique Presley, Matt Manning, civil rights attorney out of Corpus Christi. You know, um, I'm going to start with you, Matt. You know, this... We, we see these stories constantly. Uh, and one, uh, it's shocking this cop was actually fired, but here's part of the thing that we often see. A lot of times they get their jobs back as well. Uh, and I said it last night, and I'm gonna keep saying it. Thank goodness there's video. Because in too many of these cases, they would have said, oh, he assaulted them, he had a gun, he pointed it at them, uh, and every, everything like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. And I'm glad that they had a uh, video here because here the account is not going to be really in question. I know that there is a question now about whether a racial epithet was used, but it sounds like I heard it. I'm not sure if y'all heard it when he, he said, um, I don't remember exactly what he said, but at some point he sounded like he used the N-word in referencing him. But in any event, um, I'm glad that there's video. What I'm hoping for here is that there is a an actual civil judgment because what you find sometimes in these circumstances is really one of two things. Either the county will say he was acting on his own, we're not going to indemnify him, we're not going to cover his damages, or they'll recognize the right thing and they'll actually pay for the damages. So I'm hoping that's what happens here. But, you know, this happens every day, um, recorded and unrecorded. And to your point, I mean, I've had crazy cases where officers have done things just as bad or worse and not only got their gotten their jobs back, but gotten back pay. Um, so some of that is the unions and what they negotiate in these contracts. And to that end, I would say, really, this is why uh, legislation is important. Not only legislation relating to uh, qualified immunity, but also legislation requiring, for instance, if you have a deputy working for your county who does something like this while on the clock, you don't get to get out of paying for it. What happens a lot of times in these cases is they separate themselves from the deputy and find a way to say that the county's not liable because of the current state of our civil rights laws in this country. And until we have that institutional fix at, in Congress, we're going to continue to have the problems that I have every day when I prosecute these cases. Uh, but until Congress fixes this, Monique, uh, you have an aggressive Department of Justice 
Civil Rights Division that hopefully in this case you're going to have the DA do their job and prosecute this guy. Uh, but thank goodness we have a, D a DOJ that's actually holding police and jail wardens and others responsible. Absolutely. Absolutely. They are doing a better job of it than we have seen in several administrations. And I admire that job that they are doing. This case, uh, as, as the attorneys, uh, the attorney who you interviewed said, this is not isolated. It's very obvious, not just from the manner in which this one officer was conducting himself, but he's on a live line. Everybody can hear what's being said. Everybody knows what he's doing. When they come around, nobody's trying to stop him. Uh, it's a climate. It's a culture. It's a way of training, which to me is different than lack of training. It's a way of training that is unnecessarily aggressive. The one part that I do believe is a concern that they will use uh, in, a, in a, the defense of the case is that it seems like the, the suspect who was being apprehended acknowledged that he was doing some reaching. I couldn't hear what he said about what he was reaching for, but that will end up at the front of the defense of this officer's actions. This also, well, I, I'm always trying to say, Michael, voting has consequences. Uh, yes. And when people out here, they go, well, I'm not seeing this, not seeing that. Look, I totally understand uh, the folks who are upset that the George Floyd Justice Act did not get passed. But let me also remind people, that bill that passed by Congress only applied to federal. Correct. Federal, not state. Yes. When you look at prisons, 90% of the people who are in prison are in local and state jails. 10% yes. is in federal. And so what you have to have is, if people are sitting here only looking to Biden and Harris, hey, where's the bill? No, what they should be demanding to their governors and their state representatives, state senators, where are your bills, city councils? How are you changing the negotiations to make sure these things don't continue to happen? Sustain. Yeah, I totally agree. This is something, something I've been saying. This is why, you know, we need to go back and read the U.S. Constitution, because unfortunately, people don't understand the division of government. The majority of control over policing is not at the federal level, it's based at, it's at the state and local level because of the Tenth Amendment to the U.S. Constitution, which gives states rights. So even though the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, we, you know, would have been powerful and we still need to push for that, um, there's a lot that we can do at the local levels. You have to... Uh, uh, Vote for state legislature. You have to vote for governors uh, as well. Is at the city council. But at the at the other point that gets oftentimes left out of this conversation, Roland, is that right now across the country there's a nationwide shortage of police officers. You've dealt with this here on the show. You've had police experts on, former police officers as well. So even though I'm agreement with everything that's talked about here today, at but at the same time, this is a uh, a huge opportunity for African-Americans to seize power in these police departments and apply to these police departments and become the type of officers that we say that we want to see at the same time. Oftentimes, we hear reports come out every now and then that say white supremacists have infiltrated the police department. I've said that's a lie. White supremacists have always been in the police departments. I'm a historian. You cannot find a time in the history of this country when white supremacists have not been in the police departments. I say African-Americans should also infiltrate the police departments and seize power because we have people matriculating out. We have people going into other professions. So this is also, in addition to everything, in addition to legislation, is, is a, a grand opportunity to seize power in these police departments as well. 
Uh, indeed. All right, folks, uh, hold tight one second and going to break. Uh, we come back and update on what happened today in the Jonathan Majors case uh, out of New York City. Also, we'll talk with the Texas family demanding answers for why their loved one was killed during a prisoner extraction. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene, a white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. As an angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol, we're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a back. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. from LA and this is the culture. The culture is a two-way conversation. You and me, we talk about the stories, politics, the good, the bad, and the downright ugly. So join our community every day at 3 p.m. Eastern and let your voice be heard. Hey, we're all in this together. So let's talk about it and see what kind of trouble we can get into. It's the culture, weekdays at three, only on the Black Star Network. Hi, I'm Joe Marie Payton, voice of Sugar Mama on Disney's Louder and Prouder Disney Plus, and I'm with Roland Martin on Unfiltered. Today was the fourth and final day that the ex-girlfriend of Jonathan Majors testified uh, in his uh, misdemeanor assault trial there in New York City. Uh, in uh, today, text messages uh, from um, majors uh, to her were actually admitted from a previous incident. Uh, this here uh, is uh, from, let me pull this up, folks, from the Rolling Stone. And so, uh, based upon what was entered into evidence today uh, in court, um, in these text messages, um, he wrote, I fear you have no perspective what could happen if you go to the hospital. They will ask you questions. This is what he texted to uh, Grace Jabari. He also said, and as, I, and as I don't think you actually protect us, it could lead to an investigation even if you do lie and they suspect something. She responded, why would I tell them what's, what really happened when it's clear I want to be with you? I will tell the doctor I bumped my head. I will not go to the doctor if you don't feel safe with me doing so. I'm going to give it one more day, but I can't sleep and I need some stronger pain killers. Now, over the last four days, She's been under a uh, withering cross-examination by the defense. And he testified earlier, uh, another day, that she actually 
hit him first, snatching the phone out of uh, his hand. Now, 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 keep in mind, this is a misdemeanor trial that they've taken uh, to uh, a full trial here. It's all started based upon what took place in an incident in uh, a car on March 25th between Majors and the ex-girlfriend. Let's go back to my panel. Uh, I'll start with you, Monique. Sitting here, again, uh, watching this, obviously, the prosecution is, is putting uh, their case on. Uh, they had an ex-girlfriend uh, uh, testify in this case right here. They're entering in text from a previous incident uh, trying to lay out this, this sort of this narrative that they're dealing with an absolute monster in Jonathan Majors. Your perspective, uh, uh, go ahead. Uh, you're muted. You're muted. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. My name is Ariel. I moved to the U.S. at 19. I spoke no English and I struggled finding job opportunities. Everything I have, I owe to the Adult Literacy Center and getting my high school diploma at age 22. It was an honor helping you achieve your greatness. Now you're helping others achieve theirs. It inspires me. When you graduate, they graduate. Find free and supportive adult education centers near you at finishyourdiploma.org. Brought to you by Dollar General Literacy Foundation and the Ad Council. Can you, you hear me now? You ain't done this in a while? Uh, go ahead. <laughs> I was trying to eat some chicken during the break, actually. Lord. Um, so, so, so I I just look, heard the, the issue about the text messages, and um, I, I think what I will say overall is that the prosecution from the beginning of filing the case through the opening statements up until these days of testimony has been trying to cast this defendant as the big, scary, evil black man, um, the, the boogeyman, and hope that there is smear enough to erase the actual facts of the case, the actual timeline of the case, um, the actual facts of how the uh, rift between them started. And as you know, Roland, uh, it started with 
the former girlfriend committing an assault against Mr. Majors because grabbing at someone's property, grabbing at their hand and property, taking it, that is a crime in New York City. And that's why she was arrested. And I, I still don't have an answer yet for why there were the charges were not uh, pressed by the prosecutor's office, why there was a declination. Maybe that was part of their agreement with her. I don't know. But in general, uh, the way that the prosecution has handled this says to me that they fear their case is not strong enough on its own and they need to color and taint all things about the defendant, Mr. Majors, in order to be successful. Your assessment, Matt? So first, I think Monique is right um, in, in all respects. And I, I thought about this. So what the viewers probably need to know is, I don't know how it works in New York, but at least in Texas, and I would imagine a lot of jurisdictions, in domestic violence cases, you can put on evidence that's not germane to the exact issue if you're trying to show the relationship. So in Texas, we would call this 404B evidence, where a, a judge would say, you can put on evidence of damning text or something else that shows the complexity and the nature of their relationship. Monique is exactly right. This is what prosecutors are trying to do. They're trying to use extraneous stuff to show that he's a big, bad boogie man. Um, I will say, though, from a defense standpoint, I actually think this can still be leveraged, because if the question is her credibility, right, and her willingness to either be dishonest or to lie, then if there are text messages where she's showing that she's willing to engage in that, it at the very least should cause uh, the jury to question whether the version of events as it relates to this discrete issue is really what she said happened or whether they have a reasonable doubt. And while, you know, if I were defending him, I would be concerned about how these texts may look to some extent, I might also think that it could be leveraged because it's very clear that there were assaultive behaviors on her behalf and that it's not as simple as he allegedly assaulted her and it's that it. There's a, there's a lot more to it. So I would think that that's why the defense, you know, subjected her to a withering cross-examination for seven hours. And you got to consider the overall context here is they only need one person on that jury to hang up. One person keeps him, you know, not being found guilty. So one person having a reasonable doubt is enough to keep him convicted. Uh, Michael, your thoughts. Um, you know, Roland, I was reading through this article on people uh, from people.com dealing with this. And um, I've been following the trial a little bit. I remember when these allegations first came out, even before this went to trial. Um, however, this turns out, this this doesn't look good for Jonathan Majors, one. And two, um, you know, it's, it's a shame whether whether he's guilty or not. It's a shame when you have an African-American man who uh, has his career derailed by uh, either actions he did or allegations about what he did and turns out not to be, you know, not to be guilty. So um, we'll see how this turns out. These text messages don't look good. It, it, it gives the impression of some type of cover up or something like that. But we'll, we'll see how this turns out. But you, I saw his trajectory of his career going this way, going up, and then this happens, and then he's going down. Oh, well, absolutely. I mean, he was he was about to blow up uh, when uh, when this happened. And that, I mean, the Marvel stuff, uh, other movies with uh, Michael B. Jordan, you name it. And so, um, yeah, obviously he's trying to stay out of jail and trying to salvage his career. So, uh, again, prosecutors are putting their case on. 
Uh, we'll see uh, what happens uh, when court resumes uh, on Monday. Got to go to break. We come back. We're going to talk with Texas family who's trying to get answers. Why did their loved one, a jail, correction, a jail guard, how did he die when five officers went to a unit to extract an inmate, but only one person came out dead, and that was his brother? We'll discuss that next on Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. When you talk about blackness and what happens in black culture, we're about covering these things that matter to us, uh, speaking to our issues and concerns. This is a genuine people-powered movement. There's a lot of stuff that we're not getting. You get it, and you spread the word. We wish to plead our own cause to long have others spoken for us. We cannot tell our own story if we can't pay for it. This is about uh, covering us. Invest in Black-owned media. Your dollars matter. We don't have to keep asking them to cover our stuff. So please support us in what we do, folks. We want to hit 2,000 people, $50 this month, raise $100,000. We're behind 100000 so we want to hit that. Y'all money makes this possible. Checks and money orders go to P.O. Box 57196, Washington, D.C., 20037- 0196. The cash app is dollar sign RM Unfiltered. PayPal is R Martin Unfiltered. Venmo is RM Unfiltered. Zale is rolling at rollingsmartin.com. Grow your business or career with Grow with Google's wide range of online courses, digital training, and tools. Gain in demand job skills with flexible online training programs designed to put you on the fast track to jobs in high growth fields. No experience is necessary. Learn at your own pace. Complete the online certificate program on your own terms. Stand out to employers, get on a path to in-demand jobs, and connect with top employers who are currently hiring. Take one professional career certificate program, or all six. Earn a Google career certificate to prepare for a job in a high-growth field like data analytics, project management, UX design, cybersecurity, and more. All professional career certificate programs must be completed by December 31st, 2024. Scan the QR code to complete the application. There are 1,000 scholarships available. Grow with Google and J. Hood and Associates. Be job ready and qualify for in-demand jobs. Hello, I'm Paula J. Parker. Judy Proud on The Proud Family. Louder and Prouder on Disney+. And you're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered. A Texas family is demanding answers about how correctional officer Jovian Motley ended up dead when trying to perform an inmate extraction at the Wayne Wright Prison. According to the Texas Department of Criminal Justice, the 27-year-old died on November 13th after working on a five-man extraction team tasked with restraining an inmate. Earlier this week, Motley's family viewed the video footage of the incident but said they still need answers. Joining us now is the Motley family attorney, Justin Moore. So, Justin, um, what um, did y'all see on this video? So, what we saw on the video wasn't much at all, um, which highlights a huge, important uh, issue that we have in our jails here, jails and prisons here in Texas currently, which is when these five-man extraction teams go in to, in a sense, raid a cell, these officers aren't wearing body cameras to make sure footage is being captured. So what we saw on Monday uh, didn't provide us any answers into how Jovi and Miley died. If anything, it created more questions. So um, 
I, I, you know, I've, I got an email from, um, uh, from the family uh, about this, and they said, look, they hadn't been getting anything from uh, Department of Corrections. Well, up until this month, this past Monday, that was the case. So the Department of Corrections, they have not been uh, transparent about what happened to their son. And they've been giving the family the runaround. Uh, I think now, as soon as uh, Monday came by, they heard the uh, outpouring of support from the community. So really, they realized that their feet were against the wall or their, back were against the, their backs were against the wall. And they actually needed to start providing some type of answers to this family in regards to what happened to Mr. Miley. I, I'm confused. I, I, he was one of their employees. They're treating him like he was one of the inmates. That's the curious part about it, right? Uh, you have this young black man who was an employee who's now being treated like he's an inmate. Uh, this family has been, uh, you, know, uh, you know, they've been embarrassed by the, the Texas Department of uh, Criminal Justice. They've been, uh, you know, uh, given the runaround on, on, on every turn when it comes to them asking for questions. Uh, even on Monday, when we showed up to uh, the Texas Department of Public Service to view this video, they made this family wait for hours, wait for hours in a waiting room. Uh, they, they were denied giving access to their immediate family and supporters to view the video. Um, things that you wouldn't suspect uh, a law enforcement officer who died in the line of duty uh, you wouldn't expect their family to have to go through. Uh, it really raises questions about how does the Texas Department of Criminal Justice treat its black workers, its black staff members, its black corrections officers, uh, in comparison to uh, you know the officers that are are uh, are actually white. Um, I would submit to you that you know there is a disparity in treatment here, uh, and unfortunately, it's coming out to bear with this family. Um, but nevertheless, we're going to keep on fighting. And we're going to get to the bottom of uh, why Jovi and Miley and his family are being treated as less than. Um, so, yeah, the fight continues. Uh, and they haven't given you any real answer as to what happened? No. They've given us grainy, um, I think it was handheld camera footage uh, that has no real you know, answer provided to it. Uh, what we do know, though, which is through circumstantial evidence that has been gathered through our own investigation, is that the lieutenant that ordered this five-man cell extraction had an ongoing relationship with this inmate in which they were, you know, not seeing eye to eye, so to speak. This inmate had been asking for relief for three days. You know, the inmate makes claims that they weren't feeding him properly. Uh, he makes claims that he d needed to be in a mental health ward as opposed to being on that particular floor uh, in the jail. And he was making valid complaints to this lieutenant and the lieutenant just got fed up, and he ordered a five-man cell extraction uh, that I fully believe could quite possibly be a civil rights violation. So not only did this lieutenant um, get pissed off at this inmate for uh, asking for things that he so desperately needed, he decided to use uh, the corrections officers in this facility as a tool for his, for his outrage against this inmate. And unfortunately, we have a corrections officer who lost his life due to the fact that a lieutenant cannot keep his ego in check. So I do think, you know, if there is a cover-up, that's the basis of it. It emanates from this uh, lieutenant abusing his power and using his uh, staff members, his employees, as instruments and tools for his uh, abuse of power. Questions for the panel. Uh, Michael, you first. All right, attorney. Uh, thanks for coming on. And this is definitely a tragedy. This was a uh, Jovian was a 27 year old brother. Um, just curious. I know as you try to get more details in this case, um, 
oftentimes when we talk about, say, prison reform, things like that, we don't talk about creating safer environments for the prison guards. Has there been any talk uh, in the state of Texas, as well as maybe behind this tragedy or previous ones, about instituting safer measures to protect prison guards as well? Well, anyone in the state of Texas knows that, you know, you know, the hiring in our prisons are, is underwhelming, right? You know, the, our prisons are chronically understaffed, and it's putting those that are actually working there in increased danger. So that's one. Two, the fact that we have these cell extractions and the officers aren't wearing body cams. Now, the body cams aren't going to make officers safer, but when it comes to issues like these, when an officer you know, gets injured or loses his life, we can pinpoint how that happened. The fact right. that neither neither of these officers were body cam, we don't know what happened. We don't know if it was the inmate that killed this uh, young man or if it was another officer who accidentally killed uh, an officer, right? We don't know. And I think the way that we can get to the bottom of this and to ensure that we can start putting policies and procedures in place to not only protect our officers, but also protect our inmates who need protection as well. Uh, yes. we, need our officers, we need our officers wearing body cams. Uh, throughout our uh, our state uh, facilities here in Texas. All right, thank you. Money. What was the cause of death? Uh, so we're still waiting for autopsy results. Um, but what 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 was you're waiting what, what, for, the, for the family's autopsy, or you're waiting for the autopsy that was done by the um, the government by the correctional department? Through, so the correctional, through. so the correctional, the, the correctional department, uh, you know, they have an autopsy that is pending. Uh, the family is getting an independent autopsy. Uh, as of right now, we haven't gotten any results yet. Uh, what has been preliminarily reported to the family is that there was asphyxiation, but there's no signs of strangulation. Um, what we have been talking with the uh, special prosecutor that has been investigating this case is he is investigating this inmate for. Uh, you know, uh, choking out uh, Mr. Motley. Um, but what we do know is that there is an evidence of strangulation, which creates an even greater cloud as to how this young man died. Um, so the autopsy, so gonna, the, the, the autopsy will either corroborate that, you know, he was strangled to death or it's going to create more questions that we need to get answers to into how did he die due to asphyxiation if he wasn't strangled. So the the... It's been since November 13th, I'm assuming. So you don't have that autopsy. Has the second one been done yet? So the second one can only be done after the county does theirs. or and they're, Yeah. I mean, but they've got to be finished, right? You're waiting on a report. But I mean, they, so they're holding on to his body, is what you're saying? Correct. Well, no, no, Mr. Motley, no, Mr. Motley was buried last, this past weekend, but they're holding on to his vital organs. Gotcha. Matt? Well, first, let me say I actually learned about this from your Instagram page, Justin. So thank you for the work you're doing. And thank you for running for Congress. We need you to represent us here, brother. Um, but my question to you is, is there a, a workman's comp angle to this? What has TD, TDCJ said about their responsibility to the family, considering he passed away in the line of duty? That's what I'm interested in. What have they said about, you know, what his family's entitled to in that respect, if anything? Yeah, you know, not to get into attorney-client privilege, but there is a workman's comp angle, but there's also a gross negligence angle as well. So just generally and broadly speaking, a person can take advantage of workman comp's, workman's comp benefits and still sue an employer for gross negligence. And we believe that there is gross negligence here. 
so we're actively going to pursue the, uh, uh, the civil process and investigate those claims from a gross negligence, gross negligence perspective. All right. Can I ask a question, Roland? Sorry, yeah, go ahead. One more question. Go ahead. So I know PDCJ has these crisis, inter or rather cell uh, intervention teams, I think is what they're called, because I have a case involving one now. Have you been able to see their policies? Because when I was working my case related to it, it seems like they don't really have policies on that, and it's kind of nebulous. They're just able to do whatever they want. Has that been what y'all have found in terms of policies without going too far into the privileged stuff? I mean, that is that is what we have seen. Um, and from my work, working with prisoners who have sued uh, institutions for civil rights violations in the past, we know that wardens are the ones that uh, not only dictate and you know create the policies, but they're the ones that override their own policies as well. So ultimately, it, it really just falls into the warden's lap on how each prison is ran, if there are policies in place or if there aren't policies in place. So... In this particular prison, it does seem that uh, the warden of the Wainwright unit here in uh, TDCJ uh, has, uh, you know, a system in which the policies are not sufficient uh, and they're unable to effectively protect not just their officers, but also the inmates as well. All right. Justin Morris, certainly keep us updated uh, on this case. Will do. Thank you, Fred. Thanks so much. Folks, it's been uh, a rough week, actually, Actually, about a rough couple of months for Ivy League presidents. Man, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, raked over the coals uh, after she testified this week uh, in Congress. Republicans have been attacking uh, them. Also, donors of these schools have saying they are not protecting Jewish students. Here was one exchange uh, this week. Uh, in that in that uh, testy uh, congressional hearing between the sister, the first black president at Harvard and Republicans in the House. Dr. Gay, did anyone contact you about flying the Israeli flag over Harvard Yard? Yes. And the decision was made not to allow the flag to be flown over Harvard Yard? It's been standard protocol at the university for years. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Snakes. Zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public, the list of fears is endless. 
But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand, when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. You only fly the American flag unless we have a visiting dignitary. Uh, so the decision was made to allow the Ukraine flag to be flown over Harvard Yard? That was a decision that was made by my predecessor as an exception to a long-standing rule. So it was an exception. So you made an exception for the Ukrainian flag, but not the, the university made an exception for the Ukrainian flag, but not the Israeli flag. That was a choice made by my predecessor. Um, are you aware that there are stickers that are placed on Harvard University Dining Services food calling for Israeli apartheid? It says, warning, Sabra funds Israeli apartheid and the murder of Palestinians. Is that acceptable? I can assure you that we have strong disciplinary processes when there are violations of our rules. And this is a violation of the rules? I can't see that very clearly, but... Are you not um, aware I, of the stickers I, being placed on the food items provided to Harvard students? I do recall an episode like that. And there are disciplinary actions ongoing? Given students' privacy and FERPA, which I'm sure you know well, I will not say more about these particular cases other than to say that disciplinary processes are underway. Dr. Gay, did anyone contact you now, about flying was, the Israeli uh, flag? Now, what you've seen is you've seen a lot of donors um, really, really being upset at Harvard demands for her to resign, the president of Penn. One donor has called for his $100 million donation to be returned. Uh, you have a billionaire Bill Ackerman who actually said that the president of Harvard was a diversity hire. I guess he didn't look at her bio. Uh, this here, uh, the president, um, she released a statement after a lot of people criticized her testimony. But then she gave an interview with the Harvard Crimson. She said this here, I got caught up in what had become at that point an extended combative exchange about policies and procedures. What I should have had the presence of mind to do in that moment was return to my guiding truth, which is that calls for violence against our Jewish community, threats to our Jewish students have no place at Harvard and will never go unchallenged. Subsequently, I failed to convey what is my truth. Uh, go to my panel, uh, and I'll start with you, uh, Michael. The, the, the thing here is uh, these Ivy League presidents, uh, they have been charged with uh, allowing, uh, critics say they're allowing anti-Semitism to run rampant. Uh, they are angry uh, that they are not uh, shutting down uh, any of these protests at all. Then you got these presidents who are saying, look, if we're going to talk about free speech, is this not free speech? Uh, now you've got the money folks. Now you've got the donors. You've got uh, billionaires and others saying, I'm pulling my money out of Columbia, out of Harvard, out of Penn, out of these schools, uh, angry with the reaction. Uh, what do you make of this uh, battle that's going on between uh, these donors, many of them Jewish, and these Ivy League schools? Well, Roland, um, this is, I would say, uh, this was multi-pronged. Um, first of all, 
just so everybody knows, that was Republican Representative Elise Stefanik of New York, uh, who is a huge Trump supporter. She and um, the, uh, now a lot of this is a lot of grandstanding for Fox News and and uh, right wing um, conservative talk radio and things like this. Um, I'm against. What, what what people would call hate speech against anybody, regardless of race, ethnicity, things of this nature. Um, but when I look at now you have some Jewish donors saying that they're going to uh, uh, withhold uh, donations, et cetera, um, it, you may have, to, you may have a situation where policies at college campuses are revised across the board. But I find it really odd. This was a, a congressional hearing, House of Representatives. I find it really odd that you have a congressional hearing about this, but when you have anti-Black sentiments on college campuses, Republicans are not screaming about that, okay? So even though, once again, I'm against um, hate speech against anybody, but a lot of this— a lot of this, especially coming from Republicans, uh, is like selective outrage, when at the same time they don't want to condemn Donald Trump for a lot of his hate speech or what people will perceive as hate speech. Uh, here's what you have again here, um, uh, what you have here going on, uh, Monique, Bill Ackman. Uh, he is the uh, uh, hedge fund guy. Uh, he, he literally uh, accused, uh, go to my iPad, uh, he's accused uh, Claudine Gay solely of being hired because of DEI. Now, this is quite interesting when you talk about, uh, he's also calling these other presidents to resign, and then, uh, you know, he talked about, oh, yeah, she was hired because she was black. Uh, he goes on and on and on. And, and uh, Amisha Cross wrote a column uh, blasting what he had to say uh, and others as well. And, and the thing that I've made perfectly clear is, let's be clear, this is the go-to for, for, for these people. That's, it's always their go-to is, oh, you, you DEI. But they'll never sit here talking about these mediocre <laughs> white men uh, who right. get hired and stuff along those lines. And so that's what these, so that's how he's attacking this sister. Sure. Well, I mean, there's nowhere else for him to go, really. He knows that he's wrong on the law. Uh, he knows that fostering free speech, even if it's speech that we don't like, it, the prime place where that should be happening is in the educational setting in a university. That is where we figure out uh, as adults who are blessed enough to go there, the way that we think, what we care about, what we don't, how to resolve conflict, uh, how to exercise freedom of speech and freedom of restraint, the difference between hate speech and hateful speech. Now, speech that's calling black people inward uh, is hateful. But if you're doing it to a whole group of people, it is not by law hate speech. So that is the same for people who are Palestinian. That's the same for people who are Israeli. That's the same for people who are Chinese. It's all the same. There are things you can say broadly about a group of people, and it, be, it would be hateful and horrible and immoral. It would be all of the things. What would it not be? Criminal. It would not be hate speech that can be deterred. So do we really want to have universities that are shutting down speech we don't like is that even what this country is about? And I think it's, it's more uh, telling when it comes from communities that consider themselves allies of black people. Don't call yourself an ally when you know that the Ku Klux Klan has been a legal 
organization in this country since its birth. And you know exactly what they do. So if you march with me, but you don't want the Klan gone out of the face of the earth, then you got to march with me when I'm saying that these students have the right to say whatever it is they want to say. Um, of course, he, he runs his mouth. Bill Ackman does, uh, Matt. Uh, and I'm sure Dr. Claudine Gay knows what he's talking about. Go to my iPad, because she's the Wilbur A. Coward Professor of Government and of African and African-American Studies. Uh, and so she kind of knows this stuff. She's the uh, former dean of social science for the Faculty of Arts and Scientists. Let's see right here, uh, since, uh, you know, Mr. Uh, Run His Mouth um, uh, is saying this sort of stuff. Let's see here. Uh, before joining the Department of Government in September 2006, she was an assistant professor of political science at Stanford University, associate professor tenured there as well, visiting fellow at the Public Policy Institute of California, where she conducted research and published a monograph that examined voter participation in minority-dominated congressional districts. Got her PhD from Harvard in 1998, awarded the department's Topan Prize for the best dissertation in political science, earned a bachelor's degree in economics from Stanford University, where she graduated in 1992 with honors and distinction and was awarded the Anna Laura Myers Prize for Best Senior Thesis in Economics. Yeah, I guess she doesn't have a resume. Yeah, but we don't have to trot out all of her bona fides, I mean, to defend what we know is a BS argument and an attack on her, and that's too often what we have to do. We too often have to counter this BS virtue signaling by saying, but look, I am in fact good enough. We know she's good enough. Harvard would hire somebody that's not eminently qualified to be its president. That's an absurd idea. It's well, I, I just like to, I just like to, for the people who don't know anything about her, as a matter of fact, let's go back to my iPad, y'all. Uh, th this right here is uh, her resume. Uh, let me keep going. I ain't done yet. See, some of y'all got half page, one page. Y'all, her resume, five pages. So, uh, just for the folks out there who don't know, uh, I think sometimes it's important to literally show the accomplishments uh, of this sister uh, for the folk who don't know. Uh, Matt, go ahead. No, and I'm, I'm glad you're doing that because it's important to show the breadth of her experience. But what I'm saying is we don't have to do that, right? Because she's she's where she needs to be and she's eminently qualified. But beyond that, you know, it's just virtue signaling, number one, where people want to show how uh, much they support Israel in this uh, conflict and how much they think you are a pariah for not openly doing so. I will say from a nuanced perspective, I am surprised that these presidents didn't, did not take a both and approach where they say, yeah, we soundly decry anybody making any, you know, calls for genocide, but also say that, you know, people are entitled to the free exchange of ideas. I mean, university presidents, not to be cynical, but a lot of them are politicians, right? Because they live and die by the big endowments and the money that comes in, and they, they operate in a more political space than people in other um, administrative capacities. So I'm surprised they didn't just draw that line in the sand. That seems to be the easier course. But notwithstanding that, I think Monique kind of alluded to this, colleges are places where free exchange of ideas should occur. So the idea that, you know, we're going to castigate and criminalize, if you will, every student that says something in a highly charged conflict that has been going on for years is, one, an absurd idea, and two, is not probative of the school's value and their, whether they're actually going to protect the students. And I think that's what Stefanik is trying to do here. here. Hey, if you don't say that you're against 
you know, these student statements, then you're somehow against Israel. And that's not what you get to deduce from that. But I am surprised that the, the university presidents did not, you know, take a stronger tack on that, because to me, it's to do both. I'll be honest with you. I think what happened was they gave their answers and they didn't want to give them a win. I think that they knew it was absurd. They knew what, what was stupid uh, and they did not want to give it to them, not realizing what they did was further uh, inflame this. When you ask the question, are you going to protect uh, Jewish students? They sort of gave this, you know, uh, around the block answer. And, and again, I get why. Uh, but the bottom line is, you knew why they were calling you down there. You knew what, what congressional hearings are like. So you have to sort of anticipate uh, the ridiculous shenanigans they're going to play. And guess what? You gave them exactly uh, what they got. You gave them exactly what they were looking for, and that is to feed uh, the insatiable appetite of their right-wing audience. Uh, and so that's what's going on. Hold tight one second. We come back. Uh, economic numbers. Jobs came out today. Ooh, Lord. The right-wing like, damn it, another good month. What in the hell with Biodomics? We'll discuss it next on Roller Martin Unfiltered on Blackstone Network. Hi, I'm Dr. Jackie Hood-Martin, and I have a question for you. Ever feel as if your life is teetering and the weight and pressure of the world is consistently on your shoulders? Well, let me tell you, living a balanced life isn't easy. Join me each Tuesday on Black Star Network for a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. We'll laugh together, cry together, pull ourselves together, and cheer each other on. So join me for new shows each Tuesday on Black Star Network, a balanced life with Dr. Jackie. On the next Get Wealthy with me, Deborah Owens, America's Wealth Coach, you're going to learn why so many Black women are starting their own businesses. Black women's earnings have declined, only 58 cents to the dollar of what white men earn, and that's why we're starting businesses. Our next guest, Dr. Avis, is going to show you the first step toward reinvention and scaling your business to seven figures and beyond. What I teach my clients to do, which has led to great revenue leaps with them, is to really hone your focus on one primary high ticket offer. That's right here on Get Wealthy, only on Black Star Network. It's John Murray, the executive producer of the new Sherry Shepard Talk Show. This is your boy, Herb Quay. And you're tuned in to Roland Martin Unfiltered. If there's one thing that I love once a month is when the jobs reports come out and the folks over there at Fox News got to go, shit, another good month. You know they out here cheering for a bad economic report. And that crazy MAGA nutcase Maria Bartiromo, ooh, I just love to see when she is sitting here, her head spinning, uh, and that evil, uh, that evil brain of hers is going, damn it, I gotta utter these words. And you know it kills her, because she's kissed more Trump butt than Melania. Uh, and so, uh, check this out. So, when the numbers dropped this morning, Lord, you should have seen a look on her face. Watch this. 
Overall, you got to look at this report as a big positive. We've got more jobs created than expected. Joe Lavorn, you've been saying this for a long time, saying that the economy is a lot stronger than anybody understands. Your reaction? It takes a while. I, everything Steve said makes complete sense. Uh, the numbers are good numbers, uh, no question. The fact that the unemployment rate fell is good. It was because household employment was up over 700,000. But <laughs> All right, y'all. Morgan Harper from the American Economic uh, Liberties Project joins us right now. And, and, and Morgan, you can hear it in their voice. They're like, damn it. <laughs> it went down again. We adding jobs. I mean, they can't wait to go. See? Look at that. Oh, my goodness. Uh, we lost. They, they can't wait for there to be an awful jobs report to trash Biden-Harris. I know, and they had so many people prepared to talk about this negative news. And yet again, we are seeing the strength of good economic policy, unemployment down, jobs getting added. And it's, it's hard to argue with those numbers. And also that we're seeing that, you know, wage growth is continuing, but it is somewhat leveling off and inflation's going down. So that means consumer purchasing power is increasing. So much still to address, but yeah, there's no denying that even the Fox News uh, hosts and guests can't, can't uh, ignore that these are positive results right now. 199,000 jobs added, overall unemployment dropping uh, a two-tenths of a point. Uh, then, of course, now the unemployment rate for African-Americans remained the same. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If if you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. While the rate for black men uh, went up by one point, women saw a drop as well. Uh, what do you attribute that to? 
Well, it does seem like some of the job growth is coming from sectors that are back to work. So we had some, and we talked about this, you know, the last time I was on, we had some striking workers in the auto industry. Uh, we have, you know, now in the in the acting industry that are back to work. It does seem like the most jobs are being added in healthcare and in government. So, uh, it, it, you know, people are, and labor force participation is increasing. So I think, you know, because of all of that, you're going to see the unemployment numbers drop. But there are some things that, you know, we need to continue to monitor. And like I said, this is all extremely positive news for the overall economy, but we do have multiple experiences that are happening within the economy. So we're not seeing that type of job growth in manufacturing sector. We're seeing that temp temporary workers, especially in this holiday season, which is a little weird, seems to be stagnating. And that can hit some of our, you know, folks that are earning lower incomes and maybe not as affluent. And that's something we need to continue to watch. Now, to, to your point earlier, I, I love all of the folk who talk on Thursday and the report comes out on Friday. It's sort of like when you're watching uh, a sports and they talk about what's going to happen with the game. Uh, and then team right. get blown out. It's kind of like, uh, damn, I don't even know what happened uh, there. This was CNBC just yesterday. Tomorrow morning, we get the big November jobs number, and it could show a slowing jobs market, but don't take our word for it. Let's take it to our next guest, whose company uses AI to predict things like the job market numbers. Remember, we had them on last month, and they successfully predicted the jobs report being better when we spoke to him about it. Let's bring back in Zeta Global CEO David Steinberg. David, yeah, you could smile, take the victory lap, but one does Come not on, a, one four, is not a trend. A one like when we're the Pats cover four. and hit the over tonight, that doesn't mean they're a good team, but they will. But but that aside, David, you guys nailed it last time. What are you seeing this time for tomorrow's jobs number? So it's a very different picture from the last time we were here. We think not only are obviously the, the public projections are for it to come in lower, we think it's going to be even lower than they expect. So the, we think they're going to be not, we think unemployment's going to be worse than 3.9% higher. Now, the street might prefer that at this point, but, but we think unemployment will be higher than 3.9. We think the job market is cooling faster than the market even expects it to. And we're seeing far less job creation than we have in prior months. So it, we're, we're definitely seeing things start to cool pretty quickly. Tomorrow morning, well, we get the big no Y'all might want to throw that bullshit AI out, uh, Morgan, because clearly uh, that algorithm needs a reboot. It, it does appear so. AI does not have all the answers, and uh, this jobs report is clearly an example of that. Yeah, and so interesting that also they were predicting that somehow job security was going to be an issue. You know, in interviews that were happening after these reports came out with business owners, they're saying, hey, look, this is a good time to hold on to the workers we have. We've given them raises. It's really tough. You know, it can be really tough to find the right people. So let's, like, stick with our current situation here. So quite the opposite from these predictions that we, you were showing on, on see, CNBC. See, here's why. And also, because there was something that he said in there, and I'm sure you caught it, when he said, oh, we predict it's going to be 3.9 or higher, which the street wants. This is what people watching and listening to understand. Wall Street, they want higher unemployment. They are pissed off that unemployment is so low. They've been, they've been saying it because they don't like that workers have options. 
Absolutely. I mean, we have seen a generational shift in the bargaining power for workers. And yeah, that that absolutely drives you know, dominant corporations that are used to holding all of the chips crazy. I mean, the other interesting thing about all of this is, you know, the stock market rallied based on this news. So, you know, the key demographic of folks who are watching CNBC, who are usually buying into all these narratives, the only only indicator they tend to care about is the performance of the stock market. And that also is is very positive. Um, we'll go to my panel next with questions. Here's why. I believe, and, and I, I was seeing all these different tweets, uh, and they were talking about, um, um, we don't understand why the economy is doing so well, but people think differently. I'm gonna tell you why, Morgan, because all we hear is doom and gloom on mainstream news. If gas goes up, every damn assignment editor is sending a crew out to a gas station, doing a live shot. Look how high gas is. Um, it's down, what, 60, 70 cents? You never see the live shot going, wow, look how much lower gas is. They don't do that. And so I, I fundamentally believe, remember, we heard for a whole damn year. Recession, recession, recession. Amazon cut jobs. They're cutting jobs. Goldman Sachs, recession is coming. Recession, here come a recession. Get ready for a recession. I mean, it literally was for a whole year. Recession, recession, shit, what a recession. Recession, recession, damn it, what a recession. A recession, here comes recession. Damn it, where is this recession? And it never showed up. And so I think that's what's, what has caused this whole thing in consumers' mind, everywhere around them, it's doom and gloom, the economy sucks, things are awful, Trump was great. Well, yes and no. And, you know, and we, we've gone back and forth on this a little bit. I mean, I, I think you are absolutely right. There is a desire to create hysteria around the economic outlook. I do think certain people want the president to fail and they want his policies to be seen as unsuccessful. Absolutely. But I don't think we can deny the reality that for a lot of people, even in the midst of this strong overall economic performance, life doesn't doesn't feel like it's gotten much better. People aren't feeling like they're getting ahead. And that is due to, even though you know inflation has gone down, prices are still quite high. I mean, we have, to your earlier point, we have big corporations that are trying to get away with breaking the law that are we now are learning through some investigations that the government's doing price fixing to coordinate on raising rental prices you know oh, through the algorithms lawsuit. that you're using that was a lawsuit yes. that showed price fixing among eggs yes yes and so the government you know the president can't solve uh, or prevent corporations from breaking the law but once they break the law, we enforce it and stop that behavior. But if there are big corporations out here that are just determined to try to suck as much money out of us as consumers, out of small business owners as they can, well, we need to be honest about that, that price gouging. And yeah, we have to have strong enforcement of the law to stop that because that isn't, that isn't going to you know, necessarily get just having inflation decrease, solve all that problem, make people like they have more money. And I do think that's going to continue to be a big focus for the administration yep. is, all right, we're doing what we can to, to put money in people's pockets, but we need to now make sure that prices are coming down, that costs are coming down, and the corporations that stand in the way of that need to be held accountable. And to that particular point, to the iPad, this right here on CNBC. 
excess profits at big energy and consumer companies pushed up inflation, according to a report. Go to the panel. Matt, go. So, Morgan, uh, first, good evening. Good to see you again. Here's my question for you. What, if any, uh, advice do you take from this for the average black family in terms of the next few months of financial planning? I mean, obviously, this is a jobs number, but what do we take from this on the ground for how our families plan going forward? Because I presume some of these numbers are high because we're coming into the retail season. Retailers are going to need more people on the ground, right? But going forward in terms of prices, I think people are still feeling some of that anxiety you talked about. So how do we extrapolate from that advice for the families going forward? That's a great question. And, you know, I do think that we still are facing a fairly uncertain future. So Roland's absolutely right. You know, there is this desire to make it seem like recessions around this corner, recessions around the corner. Part of what's driving that is people aren't very good right now at predicting the future. And so I do think we need to be cognizant of that, right? Even with, even <laughs> okay. AI, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I saw something, I don't know if y'all saw this too, where it was like, think about only spending a hundred dollars per gift or for the whole holiday season. I was like, wow, I mean, a hundred dollars, you know, this day and age is not that much, but it is an interesting challenge for us to, you know, be cognizant that there's this uncertainty ahead. What are ways in which we can, you know, control our expenses, maybe save a little bit more would be part of my advice, though I'm not a financial advisor, um, because it could be, you know, turbulent storms ahead. And by the way, there's like a big question mark around what the next administration is going to look like. There are people that are trying to, you know, say they're going to bring down the whole government. So, you know, a little caution. We've had our time post-COVID. We got, you know, the vacation in, if you could. We lived it up. We went to the concert. We saw Renaissance. Maybe this is a good period to try to just like store away a little bit of cushion if we can. Well, you know, uh, the American economy hates when people save because they're not spending. <laughs> Go, Monique. Oh, absolutely. I am so glad you said we got Renaissance in. So we did have something. Yes, we did. Uh, so here's my question. Who are these people who are getting these jobs? And the reason why I ask is because, as Roland was saying, you know, there's so much doom and gloom. But it also seems to me, from the way I'm looking at people's conversations, the people who are getting the 35-buck cap on the hearing aid, getting their loans forgiven, getting getting blue-collar jobs, uh, and having the less less money spent on gas are then turning around and voting red and voting for Trump because it doesn't really have anything to do with the economy. That's just what they use to justify what they intend to do anyway. Am I right? Am I wrong? Who's getting these jobs? Well, I, I do think it's probably, you know, just based on these numbers alone, a range of different types of people that are getting these jobs. But I do think you've identified uh, a key need is, you know, and this is something I know we talk a lot, a lot about, but it's like, we gotta. We have to make sure people understand, you know, what exactly um, the policies are that are leading to these better job outcomes. But also, I think we need to be realistic about how much people are going to pay attention. So, you know, this is kind of taking off my American Economic Liberties hat, which is a, a nonprofit organization, nonpartisan, into more Morgan Harper as an individual who's been involved in politics. Uh, and that is about finding your people. You're not going to convince everyone who is dead set on believing that this president is just not 
working in their best interest. We need to find people that are open-minded and that are likely to support uh, this type of good economic policy that we see is having positive impacts um, on our communities. So, you know, it's it's a tricky thing. We talk about the messaging, we talk about the communications, but I think you're absolutely right that there's a certain set of person, even if they're benefiting from these policies, that does not want to give credit where it's due. Michael, go. All right, uh, Morgan, I know uh, a few minutes ago we talked about the African-American male unemployment rate rose uh, 1 percent. Um, and overall, this, these are good numbers overall at 3.7 percent. Can you talk about some of the contributing factors that contributed to that increase in African-American male unemployment? I know the uh, labor force participation rate is at its highest point in like two years, 62.8 percent. But can you talk about some of those contributing factors, please? Well, and that's where, you know, thinking or we have to go a level deeper into like, well, what what jobs are being created and which jobs are sure. most likely that we're going to see black men that are participating in. And so, you know, I, I yeah, like the overall numbers are good. But if we're not seeing that same pickup and growth in manufacturing, if for some reason we're, you know, it also seems like we're not seeing that type of temp employment, if that's also more likely to be where a lot of black men could be seeing uptick in hiring, well, then that might be contributing to these higher um, unemployment numbers for that category. But I mean, this is where I think it's really incumbent upon all of us to be in touch with our representatives that can kind of like get a little deeper beyond the federal level or, you know, our congressional representatives that have that community connection to really make sure they're hearing our stories. Because is it is it just that the sectors that, you know, black men are tending to go into are not hiring at that same rate? Is it that we're facing some kind of discrimination in the hiring process that needs to be corrected? Is it a skill level mismatch that we need to make sure that those resources are getting um, to people to be prepared for construction jobs because the jobs are being created. Uh, right. You know, for example, just today, the president was announcing, you know, a big rail project in Ohio where I am. You know, they're saying we're going to be exploring what it would look like to have Amtrak connecting some of these cities. So those jobs are out there. But if we don't have people with the skill and education level that's going to make them competitive to get those jobs, then that's something that, you know, isn't going to be talked about in these job report numbers, but absolutely folks who are more focused at the local, at the state, at the regional level, they need to know so that we have programs that are, are filling that gap. All right, All right Morgan, we appreciate it. Thanks very much for joining us every month to break it down. Thanks a lot. Great to see you. Thanks. All right, then, uh, Michael, Monique, and Matt, we appreciate uh, y'all being on today's show. Thank you so very much. Folks, going to a break. We come back. Jack Uger and I talk about his thesis. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet. That's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Check the back seat. Check the back seat. All right, come here. Check the back seat. Gets in your head, right? Good. Because every year, dozens of children are forgotten in the backseat of a car by a parent or caregiver. All never thought it could happen to them. But with changes in routines, distractions, or a sleeping child, it can happen to anyone. Parked cars get hot fast and can be deadly. So get it in your head. Check the backseat. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council. Is that how progressives can take over the country? Yeah, got a, little, got a little heated between the two of us. You don't want to miss this conversation. You're watching Roland Martin Unfiltered right here on the Black Star Network. Hatred on the streets, a horrific scene. A white nationalist rally that descended into deadly violence. White people are losing their damn minds. An angry pro-Trump mob storms the U.S. Capitol. We're about to see the rise of what I call white minority resistance. We have seen white folks in this country who simply cannot tolerate black folks voting. I think what we're seeing is the inevitable result of violent denial. This is part of American history. Every time that people of color have made progress, whether real or symbolic, there has been what Carol Anderson at Emory University calls white rage as a backlash. This is the rise of the Proud Boys and the Boogaloo Boys. America, there's going to be more of this. Here's all the Proud Boys, guys. This country is getting increasingly racist in its behaviors and its attitudes because of the fear of white people. The fear that they're taking our jobs, they're taking our resources, they're taking our women. This is white fear. I am Tommy Davidson. I play Oscar on Proud Family, Louder and Prouder. I don't say, I don't play Sammy, but I could. Or I don't play Obama, but I could. I don't do Stallone, but I could do all that. And I am here with Roland Martin on Unfiltered. All right, Jank, let's jump into it. Um, I've, I've long maintained that when we talk about big tents, that the Democratic Party actually has a much larger tent than the Republicans. Republicans, you're either right, far right, uh, or fascist. Uh, but then when you talk about Democrats, you have conservative Democrats, you've got moderate Democrats, you've got progressive, you've got far left. And Democrats have always had... Um, a difficulty on bringing this coalition together because it's so varied interest. Yet you, your, your thesis is that progressives uh, are going to take over the country. How? Yeah. So uh, mainly by younger voters, honestly, and it, and it's and it's not that difficult. Uh, the only thing we got to make sure uh, doesn't happen is that Trump doesn't win in twenty twenty four because that could just end democracy. But as long as we have democracy um, uh, in uh, 2016 and 2020, Bernie Sanders was winning progress, uh, winning younger voters 
in massive margins. And I explain that in the book by 40 points, 50 points. And so younger voters, though, kept getting older and older because that's normal. That's what happens. So uh, he by 2020, he was winning under 45 year olds. And now when you look at the polling, under 50 year olds are now massively progressive. We just need one candidate to spark a fire and we're going to easily take over this country. Because Roland, progressive ideas are intensely popular. Almost all of our policies are favored by two thirds of all Americans, let alone the huge margins we have with young voters. But but, but isn't that part of the problem is this notion of a candidate striking the nerve? I look at Texas. I'm born and raised in Texas. I'm still registered voter there. We had Beto O'Rourke, who was running for governor. 75% of voters under the age of 30 didn't even vote. This guy went to every county. He was out there. He was going to college campuses. He was talking about the issues. Uh, We're seeing what they're doing in Texas when it comes to abortion, when it comes to voting rights, when it comes to education, whatever. Young voters didn't show up. So I I get your argument about uh, the numbers with Gen X and millennials, but they got to show up. Yeah. But, Roland, two things about that. Number one, uh, you don't have to worry about under 30-year-old voters anymore because, like I said, younger voters aren't that young anymore. That generation has grown up, and they have remained as progressive as they started. So now we're talking about millennials and Gen Z, and so we're talking about two generations. So under 50, under 50, the minute we reach about 55, which is the next election— that's the majority of the voters in the Democratic primaries. We win the Democratic primary and we win the general election easily. But, and but, the second but, thing but, is, dang, fifty-five plus votes, though. I mean, when I look at the numbers, my African American, sixty-five and older, they're like, man, you ain't need to call me. I'm going. Fifty-five, yeah. fifty-five, sixty-four. They're voting. The problem is when you drop, drop fifty-four and below, that numbers keeps going, 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 going down. Yeah. And the reality is. It's not always going to be a candidate that excites me. Shouldn't issues be exciting people? So, Roland, there's so many things to say about that. Number one, you're right. The issues are the things that matter the most. But the problem is that our system depends on media coverage. So I'll give you a perfect example. Paid family leave is at 84%. It's not like you have to convince any more people in a democracy that should pass easily. That's moms getting 12 weeks off after they have a baby. Literally every other developed nation does that. We're the only ones that don't. And almost every nation on earth does it. Estonia gives moms 82 weeks off, but Americans say we get zero days off. It's unbelievable. It's unconscionable, right? So we've already won on that issue as we've won on almost every issue. But the problem is the media will then take that. And when Joe Manchin kills it and Joe Biden ignores it, they'll say, oh, they're the moderates. Well, that's not the moderate position. That's a 16% radical extremist position. So why do you need a candidate to galvanize these folks? Well, that's because uh, the candidate is what draws the media attention. And the problems with like Democrats and why I entered the presidential race is because everybody whispers. Everybody whispers. Stop whispering. Donald Trump screams from the rooftops. And whether we hate it or not, it works. Meanwhile, Joe Biden goes, and then doesn't propose paid family leave as a standalone bill, doesn't propose any of these bills that are 70% and higher, never fights Republicans. We need someone who's a fire breather, who's going to fight for Democratic voters and the American people. The minute you have that and that person gets media attention is the minute we win everything easily. But how, okay, so then explain to me then, how does a Beto O'Rourke 
lose to Ted Cruz by 2.5 points. Comes back, same Beto, same fire breather, same passion, same hard campaigner, same big fundraiser. Loses to Greg Evans by 11 points. Yeah. No, no. So, first of all, Beto, not a fire breather. Uh, so, look. Well, 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 come on. Dang. I mean, my, my good. I mean, my goodness, how much for how much it's not like Beto was a passive dude compared to other Democratic candidates. Yeah, I know, but Roland, we're talking about a different level here. So let me explain what I mean. So when you say paid fan leave, for example, that sounds boring. And then people are like, hey, what is that? I, you know, uh, and, he, and if you go, hey, I'm in favor of it, you're not going to get the 84% animated. You might get them to go, oh, yeah, that makes sense, and I like uh, that. But then it, that's if they hear, but most likely they will not hear. Here's how you say it to get people's attention. Why do Republicans hate moms? They claim to be pro-life, but they hate babies and moms. Now, everybody in the press, if you're if you're as large as Beto O'Rourke was, would cover that story. And they say, oh, that's an outrage. How can you say that Republicans hate moms? Well, they won't even give them 12 weeks off. They won't give them a day off after they deliver a baby. It is true that they hate moms on behalf of corporations who are all uh, paying them through uh, campaign donations. But Democrats never say that. They never even go to the number one issue that they could use against Republicans, corruption. And the reason they don't go to that is because they also take corporate cash. So if you have a clean, progressive candidate, and this is the giant if, though, Roland, which is that the press pays attention to and is willing to hear out, and then the country will hear these. But you can't just whisper it. And Beto is not enough of a fire breather. He hired the same campaign manager as Joe Biden. When his campaign was over, she went to Joe Biden. These are super moderate consultants that tell, advise all of their Democratic uh, candidates, shh, don't be impolite. Are you nuts? Donald Trump already won the election. He's almost certainly going to win this next one. And he's the most impolite guy in America. So the Wake up, Democrats. So the candidates you're describing, who are they? Like, for instance, right now, name me three candidates that have won statewide that fit your description of being this fire breather? If, if a Beto wasn't in that category, who? So there's only one that comes close, and that is because several generations of Democrats have been taught and trained to be obedient, to be civil, do not cause any good trouble, do not cause any trouble at all, lay down and they'll let the Republicans run over you. On a state level, to give you the very specific question that you asked, the answer is John Fetterman. And he beat the hell out of uh, Dr. Oz when he couldn't even speak, when he had a stroke and everybody saw he couldn't speak. Why did he beat the hell out of Oz? Because he was impolite, because he made fun of the brother 24-7. He crushed him. He was merciless. And, and, and if he hadn't had that stroke, he'd probably be the next president. Uh, here's a candidate at the presidential level. Me, me. Okay, so now is it, I got an incredibly hard road. Everybody knows that. I'm not a natural born citizen, I'm born Muslim. I, I got, I'm a talk show host, not a politician. And so I got a thousand obstacles to get over. But you know what? I'm all over the press and I'm screaming from the rooftops things that everyone agrees with. And whatever show I go on, Roland, it's not just left wing. Even when I go on right wing shows where they're like, yeah, well, higher wages would be good. Lower drug prices would be good. Wouldn't it be amazing if there was actually a fighter against corruption and, and on behalf of all these issues, you take my attitude, you put it on someone that the press considers quote unquote credible, and that person wins easily, easily. 
Go fight, go fight. Republicans fight like crazy. That's why everybody's going to show up for Donald Trump and nobody's going to show up for Joe Biden because that guy doesn't fight for anybody. Okay, so you say you, you use so you say one example statewide uh, is a Fetterman. <coughs> so you say one example statewide is a Fetterman who right now is getting blasted for his position <coughs> regarding Israel. But you also talk about someone like yourself. Yet when you ran for Congress, you only got five percent of the vote. You came in. Yeah. So yeah. If, if you couldn't, if you could not make that work in a congressional race, getting five percent of the vote coming in fourth, how you how do you think that works nationally? Yeah. So first of all, uh, so you're not wrong to bring that up. I totally get it. I got six point six percent, and that number sucks. Okay. And so you say, okay, why, why come this didn't work? Okay, so at a local, and then how dare you on a presidential level? Let me explain both sides of it. So number one, at the local level, it's harder than the presidential race. And I know, because I just did both. I'm in the middle of doing one, I did the other one. Uh, and so why is Congress harder? Because mainstream media comes and smears the living hell out of you. For me, they call me anti-Muslim when I'm Muslim. I mean, they just lied about every single thing about my past. And if I saw the articles in the LA Times and New York Times and I never saw, knew anything else about me, I would have voted against me. I wouldn't have voted for an anti-Muslim, racist, sexist, et cetera guy, but that's not at all who I am. So they just smear you and then they never give the mic back, Roland. Like there was no press, no interviews, no nothing. I asked the LA Times, are you guys ever going to write an article uh, about the policy issues in this race? And they literally said, no, we're only gonna do the, Fake scandals against you. They didn't say fake, obviously. And that's it. That's it. All we're going to do is smear you. Now, at the presidential level, it's actually a little bit easier to get the mic. And so when you come in at 6.6% on a congressional race, you're going to come in at 0% on the presidential level, right? I mean, at the presidential level, we got Governor of Arkansas and Governor of North Dakota coming in at 0 and 1%. We got Chris Christie at 2%. So there's no chance that I'm going to get a number at the presidential level, right? Wrong. Quinnipiac poll. 2%. I'm higher than three governors. Why? Because, first of all, Young Turks is a nationwide, worldwide show. So whatever I get in a congressional district, I can get at the national level. But second of all, Roland, it's because I'm actually now in a lot of the media. I've been doing a lot of black radio. I've been doing a lot of online shows. I've been doing every kind of show there is. Did Breakfast Club yesterday. Here I am with you, Roland, today. And, and once people hear this message, they're like, oh, Someone who's not just going to sit there, someone who we, do, we don't have to beg to do things. As soon as Joe Biden wins or any Democrat wins, and what does everybody do? We all have to beg them to, to, to do the things that they promised. We have to push them. Why? We already elected you. Why don't you just do it already? Imagine having a Democrat who's going to get in there and he can't wait to pass bills because who wins is irrelevant. Who cares if it's Jake Uger or Joe Biden or Marianne Williamson? That's just status and title. The only thing that matters is passing bills, because when you pass bills, you change lives. Higher minimum wage, lower drug prices. But we haven't had a Democrat fight like that in 40, 50 years. So the, the only issue is getting enough media rolling. Okay, but all right, I, I, I get that point. But the reality is you can get a lot of media but it's not like that still means you get votes. Howard Dean got lots of media. Uh, you ha Hell, Vivek on the Republican side is getting lots of media. Uh, granted, uh, voting hasn't started yet, but if you look at polling, it's not like uh, he's killing it. Uh, yeah. And so, and so uh, but again, it comes down to media attention is one thing. As you said, Senator Sanders got lots of media 
I bring Beto again. Sarah Elizabeth Warren got lots of media uh, when yeah. she ran 2020. I think her biggest mistake, she should have actually run in 2016. Uh, I think that was the biggest mistake. Uh, but the bottom line, so, so I get that. But being a fire breather does not necessarily mean people are going to vote for you. And when you can only name one person statewide in the country, you need 270 elected. You got, I mean, you got to win state more states to win. Right. And right. In the states that you got to win, you got, you're going to be in places that are not necessarily, um, you know, fully progressive. I mean, I mean, that's just, that's just a fact. Yeah. So Roland, let me address a lot of things you say. First of all, you're totally right that uh, Elizabeth Warren should have run in 2016 uh, and she would have won. And so, but that goes actually to the main point, which is you say, hey, only one fire breather has uh, won at the state level. The guy uh, I mentioned, Fetterman, right? But Roland, how many fire breathers have there been? Almost none, because all the Democrats are told to obey. I mean, we got Joe Biden, who's definitely, definitely going to lose this election. He's sitting at 37% approval, 59% disapproval. And what do all the Democrats do? They obey. They say, well, okay, I don't mind losing Donald Trump. I don't mind losing democracy as long as we obey the dear leader and we never raise our voice and we never create trouble. We never do anything that's impolite. There's no fire breathers in the Democratic Party. It's me, and it used to be Fetterman, and now he's uh, been neutered in the Senate as well. In terms of the guys that you mentioned, these are good examples. Vivek Ramaswamy, he did get a lot of media attention, but uh, he's not rising in the polls. Why? Because his ideas are super unpopular. Whereas our ideas are incredibly popular. So uh, when you look at, for example, lowering drug prices, that's at 90%. Ending gerrymandering, 90%. Uh, federal background checks, 97%. Where and family leave, 84%. Okay, I gotta, you've got to have the fire breather plus media plus really popular policies. And that is all progressives. I, I and in terms that. of Bernie, the number one re reason he lost in 2016 and 2020, Roland, is because he chose not to fight back. He barely laid a glove on Hillary Clinton and Joe Biden. We told him, will you for God's sake attack? And he wouldn't do it. He's just too nice. If you never make the case against the other guy, you're not going to win. Jankforamerica.com. But here's the deal, though. But, but, but you say justice is coming, how progressives are going to take over the country, and America is going to love it. There's got to be some proof of that. And again, it has to be more than one person. Okay, so fine. Let's go outside of statewide. Okay, who are the folks who are on the local level that's going to go to the next level? Because again, when you're talking about a presidential race, okay, those are frankly state-by-state -state campaigns. They're not necessarily national races. They're state-by-state. -state. You have to look at the politics in that particular state, whether we're talking about Nevada, Georgia, North Carolina, we're talking Minnesota, we're talking Texas, Florida, we're talking, you know, these different places. All right. So so that's really that's really what uh, they are. But you also have got to have a bench. And so I still I need. Where is it? Where's the bench? And if, if, if you're going to say take over the country, you got to take over more than one more than one seat. And so where the where, where are the multiple candidates? And then the second then the next piece is, OK, if it's coming, where are they being trained? Where are they being raised up? Yeah. So let me address that, too. So I remember when we started Just Democrats, uh, people thought it was impossible. And they said, you're not going to win anywhere. If you win, you get lucky one place. That's it. Right. And and I asked every reporter I could find. Every one of them said you'll either get zero or one candidates. In. Well, what happened next? Uh, you want to talk about fire breathers? Well, AOC beat Joe Crowley, the fourth most powerful Democrat in the House. In fact, if she hadn't beat him, 
he he had a Keaton Jeffries role. He would probably be Speaker of the House right now. And that was a historic upset when nobody thought it was possible. Why? Because she aggressively told the story of progressive priorities and people loved it. Uh, who else did we run? We ran Jamal Bowman. He beat Elliot Engel, who was the head of the Foreign Re Relations Committee, a committee chairman, also thought impossible. But it wasn't impossible. You just had to try. Rashida Tlaib, Ilhan Omar, we now, uh, Summer Lee, uh, Greg Kassar, we now have 11 Justice Democrats in Congress when everybody thought it was impossible. No, all you got to do is fire breather plus popular policies. All right, plus that, 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 that's 11. But here's the question. The folks that you named, can they win statewide races? And if they can, show me. Because you mentioned Fetterman. But here's the deal. When I looked at Fetterman, it wasn't just, oh, he was sort of, he was just speaking the truth. He didn't care what he wore. Fetterman also was appealing to those white conservative Democrats in other areas of Pennsylvania. And then he was also appealing to folks in inner cities. But again, that's one. Show me where you translate the 11 you spoke of to higher office that goes beyond a congressional district of 700,000. You've had progressive mayors who, when they ran statewide, couldn't do it. And so, again, that, that's, just sort of what, that's just what I'm looking at. I'm looking at right now the attacks on progressive district attorneys. I'm looking at the attacks on progressive mayors. But I'm also saying, and I get that, local level, but I'm but we're, we're talking about presidential or U.S. Senate or governor. We're not talking about statewide offices. Yeah. So uh, here's two things about that. Number one, um, whenever there is a fire breather, what does the press do? They, they just go set on a seek and destroy mission, right? Oh, not civil. In fact, when I ran for Congress, the L.A. Times did an op-ed and and, and I had a great, great meeting with their editorial board. And you could tell because in the op-ed, they said in their endorsement, uh, we, while we agree with Cenk on money and politics and almost all the other issues, we think he's too uncivil. He's, he's too pugnacious. But how many, but, but how many, but how many young voters read the LA Times editorial book? Editorial no, 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 no. I know that's the problem. Is yes, uh, oh, there's tons of older voters, and older voters watch MSNBC. Older voters read the New York Times, listen to NPR, and they are told comply, comply, comply. You must pick a super weak Democrat who's definitely not going to deliver for you. Okay. A over guy okay. who takes okay. tons of campaign okay. contributions and is super corrupt. And what? they believe that nonsense. What They've got to the stop problem? believing that nonsense. Turn off mainstream media and actually get a fighter who's going to fight for you, jakeforamerica.com. But, but look, here's the problem, Jake. You, if you have more Gen Z and millennial voters today than you do baby boomers in Gen X, it ain't happening. I, I, but I, it yeah. is by 2028, Roland. We're we're gonna have the majority. We're 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 all. You're almost giving up before we're about to get no, the no, victory. No, 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 I'm not. No, no, I'm not. We're about to get the victory. I'm not giving up. Do not, do not snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. I'm not giving up. Here's what I'm doing. I'm looking at. I'm doing the math. I'm looking at again. I'm looking at. Uh, I'm looking at a Beto. I'm looking at what happened in Louisiana. I'm looking at places where, yes, you are seeing young voters show up. They showed up in 2020. In 2022, what happened in Virginia, some of the places. But I'm talking about if you're where they are. And the issue that I'm looking, the, the, the concern that I have, the big concern that I have, 
is that a lot of young voters have completely and totally checked out. They make the argument, I'm tired of these older people running everything. And I'm like, guess what? If the older voters are the ones voting, you're not the older people are gonna be running things. It, it becomes it becomes sort of a catch-22. And so what you're laying out, when are the people who you're talking about? When you say progressives are gonna take over the country, when are they going to show up in mass and do it? You can't wait in 2028 when you've got when you got super majorities of Republicans uh, in states now in Louisiana, in Texas, Florida, Mississippi, Tennessee, uh, and different places like that. You can't wait when you're talking about gubernatorial races, when you're talking about U.S. Senate races. And so I get this notion of a fire breather. But Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with a king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and Game Sense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com for more. There has to be results and not just talk. And that's what I'm not seeing. But, Roland, first of all, you just said it. The evidence was in 2020 and 2022. There's no way in the world Joe Biden wins unless the younger voters showed up in large numbers, and they did. But did did those younger voters, though, if I keep hearing Joe ain't the guy, he too old. Okay, where in the hell were they in the primary then? In what primary, Joe? There were other choices than Biden in the primary, correct? You mean in 2020? Yes, yeah, I know. That's why Bernie won the first three states. Then all of mainstream media and all of the establishment Democrats said, no, uh, Bernie's going to kill people in Central Park. He's a communist. Chris Matthews said that on MSNBC. These lunatics, the Chuck Todd started calling him his supporters brown shirts and Nazis, even though Bernie's Jewish. And they all piled on together and they barely beat him. They barely beat him twice. And, and, that, and Bernie wouldn't fight back. So you find someone like Bernie who's willing to fight back, and by the t- and the demographics are on his side. By twenty twenty eight, we're gonna kill him in the primaries. Hold on. So you're okay. saying again, again, again. So you're saying that you say 
Bernie didn't fight back, he would dis he would disagree uh, di disagree with that. And and, and it, look, what you're no, he wouldn't. I don't even think Bernie would disagree with that. Yeah. He knows that his staff gave him notes to attack Biden in a debate in October, and he refused to do them. He just he loves Biden too much. Oh, my friend, my friend, my friend. Your friend has sunk the country and is handing it over to Donald Trump. And Lily, you tell me what the alternative is. This Joe Biden guy is definitely, definitely going to lose. And we're going to have Trump as president because everyone obeyed uh, the mad king, this egomaniac Joe Biden. 77 percent of the country doesn't even think he can survive a second term. He's 81 years old, can't finish a sentence. And we're going to just going to agree to lose by running this candidate. I've never seen anyone so selfish in my life. So give me anybody but Joe here's, Biden. Here's, here's the deal. But, but again, though, the book is not about Joe Biden. The book is about how progressives are going to take over the country. And what, I, and what I am trying to understand is how and where. If I would, what you're laying out, again, that's why I specifically asked how many people that fits your description to do this. You mentioned one person. Jay, that ain't no, I mentioned 12 that, that ain't a movement. That's one person, this one. And so what I'm saying is if what you're describing is the pathway to victory, there would be more than one. Okay, let me give you an example, Roland, from the other side. And I and I hate to do this, but it's but no, it's no, no, real. No. I mean it from the no, hold, on, hold on, let me explain. Let me explain. So Donald Trump back in 2015, when he announced, did you know that he started at one percent? Yes, I'm saying he he's at one percent. And at that point, if you, you were talking to him, you would have said, "Give me one example of a, a, a mad populist fire breather who can galvanize the country against corruption, etc." You he couldn't have given you any examples. I don't, I don't think I don't think it was just that. I don't think it was just that. I'm, I'm telling you right now. I think first and foremost, if you look at uh, you look, look look at Trump. First of all, let's thank Jeff Zucker and NBC and The Apprentice. Yeah. So Amer America, America has this. America has this nonsensical idea uh, that rich rich people or supposed rich people uh, can do anything if they're the smartest people in the world. I think Elon Musk is proving that right now uh, when it comes to Twitter uh, that he is not a genius. And so folks love to fall for that. Uh, and what you had here was you had you had someone in Donald Trump who that where there are no guardrails, there's no bottom, uh, there's no sense of decorum. The moment Donald Trump attacked Senator John McCain as a POW and the Republicans did not make him pay for it, I was like, uh, there you go right there. And I think which and so what Donald Trump did was he understood and he pushed the racist, sexist, misogynist buttons of the Republicans in the, in the primary folks, and they were always there. They simply uh, were buttoned up, if you will, because there was proper decorum. And so when that was unleashed, the bottom line is his, his the people who was running against, they were playing by old rules. The guy had no bottom. And so that's Donald Trump. Now, if you show me who else has replicated that model, you can't. One yeah. of the reasons why the because nobody on the Democratic side ever does, Roland. No, no, it's not. No, but it's not even just on the Democratic side. It's even on the Republican side. Even on the Republican side. Yeah. That, so they thought they thought. Oh, with the second impeachment. Oh, again, McConnell. I'm not going to vote for it because he's just going to go away. And they realize he's not going to go away because he is appealing to the white nationalist instincts of Republican voters 
is why I wrote my book, White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. And so I get so I I, I get that. But again, what I'm trying to yeah. what I'm trying to understand is the type of candidate that you were describing on the left that that can, that, that we're gonna see in not just candidate, but multiple candidates. I'm saying I don't see the evidence that you have what you described, those individuals running, they're not winning statewide and national races. Because when if they don't even exist, Roland, they don't even exist. What's my whole point? So if, if they it, don't exist, if they okay, don't, hold on. Let me explain. Let me explain. So, Roland, you know who can do it? I can do it. I can do it. But all I got to do is win. Hold on. Yeah, you hold on. Yeah, you all I got to do is win the Supreme Court case on being a national board citizen, being a non test part of the Constitution that was amended on. The minute I win that case, I light this country on fire. Because, look, Donald Trump. Yes, half his base loves the racism and sexism. Of course. That's the only thing uh, that Hillary Clinton said that was actually true, the line about the deplorables. But the other half of Trump voters wanted to drain the swamp, and they got hoodwinked. They got conned by a legendary con man, right? He doesn't. He loves corruption. He doesn't hate corruption. But they thought he hates corruption. He gave a middle finger to the establishment, and, and that populist base that exists out there that is totally unaddressed well, by party, loved it. And well, you got to get a progressive that addresses that populist base and says, hey, let's actually fight corruption. Let's actually do things that are popular, like higher wages and lower drug prices. And that person, number one, the minute I win the court case, that person is me. I'll Zank, do it. I'll Zank, be Zank, in this Zank, race or the next race. Zank, Zank, but, but you sound like a guy who says, I can be an NBA all-star player, but you can't even start in the G League. How, how do you go from getting 6% in a congressional race to actually saying, oh, I can win the presidency? How? Yeah. Roland, the Young Turks has 5 billion views a year. I've been told every step of the way that I'm not, I'm not the guy. I'm an outsider. I'm an immigrant. I'm a Muslim. I'm this. I'm that. It's not you, Jake. It's not you. How, do you. how dare you try to come up with a media network? Well, now we have 27 million subscribers, 5 billion views a year. What happened? If I told people when I started Young Turks, I, I, you know, Dan Rather's not going to hire me. Yeah, I'm going to hire Dan Rather. They would have thought I, I was I get, nuts, but Jay, I did I, it. Jay I, get the, Jay, I get the media piece. I started my own. Now I have the own network. We built it from 157,000 YouTube subs to 1.16, and we're still growing. I get all of that. I'm talking politics. And what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, it's a stretch. It's a long stretch. Some would say it's one where you need to be committed to actually say, if I got 6% in the congressional race, not I got 38% or 45% and I came in second. I got 6% came in fourth. I can win the presidency. But again, yeah. I'm going, but I'm going beyond you. But rolling. Hold on one second. I'm going beyond you. What I'm talking about is a broader movement. And I understand those justice Democrats. But I also look at how right now, there are people who are critical of those same justice Democrats who are saying AOC, oh, she sold out. She got there and she changed on and on. And what I'm saying is the, the model that you described, if you can't replicate that in more than one race, it doesn't work. I'm just simply so saying, rolling, rolling, show, rolling. Me, show me the pathway. I'm, Jake, I'm taking you a uh, president out. 
What I'm saying is, show me the pathway. Okay, but Roland, so let, me, let me give you another example. So I gave the example of Donald Trump starting at 1% and then winning the presidency. That wasn't good enough. I gave you the example of 11 just Democrats, all told impossible. They all win, not good enough. Fetterman uh, does, he's the only one that tries. No, I didn't say and, not good enough. Spectacularly, not good enough. Hold no, on, no, let, me no, 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 let me give you one more example. Okay. Okay. Uh, a young kid named Barack Obama runs against Congressman uh, Rush. Bobby Rush. Yeah. And he gets humiliated. He Rush. gets defeated thoroughly. And if at that point you were interviewing him, Roland, and you had this mindset, admit that you would tell Barack Obama, how dare you? How dare you? You have no way of being able to do this. You have no pathway. You have no uh, data to back you up. All you've done is lose an election. But he did it, didn't he, Roland? No, 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 no. no. Hold on, hold up. How did he do it? Look, how he, well, first of all, he tried. Number one thing is get caught trying. Jankforamerica.com, okay? No, 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 no. So, no, no, no. Jank, that's not what happened. He didn't just try. After he lost to Bob, after he lost to uh, Congressman Bobby Rush, then when he made the decision to run for United States Senate, he made a calculated decision. And that is, he took a meeting with Senate Illinois Senate President Emil Jones. And in Illinois... The power that there were through the three major Democratic figures in Illinois politics. There was Daly, the mayor of Chicago. There was Rob Lagovich, the governor of Illinois. And there was Mike Madigan, who was Speaker of the House. Emil Jones was totally ignored. He was deemed to be irrelevant. So what did Obama do? Obama played on his ego. He went to Emil Jones and he said, how would you like to make a United States senator? That's what he did. State Senator Barack Obama was not a major player in the Illinois Senate. He wasn't. He went to Emil Jones, and Emil Jones said, hmm, interesting idea. It was Emil Jones, the Senate president, who was the one who said, all right, you, I'm stripping all of your names off of these bills, and his name is going uh, on uh, those bills. One of those bills that were racial profiling. The state senator who had been uh, who had been uh, champion that for a long time, Ricky, his name escaped last name escaped right now, went off. He was pissed, and Emil Jones literally was like, "Shut the fuck up! I'm going to make a United States senator," and that's what happened. So when Obama ran, Obama was able to talk about all of these bills that he passed. He didn't actually pass the bills; it was state senator Emil Jones. And then when and then when he ran again, very smart campaign but he also greatly benefited from complete implosion on the Republican side. I'm not saying that, that they would have been, they would have won. What I'm saying is that was the pathway. The, so what and then, and then, and now what I'm also saying is the person who you are describing this, this, this hardcore, uh, what you're describing progressive, that wasn't Obama. No, Obama's, Obama's persona, Obama's persona, and how he ran, it appealed to progressives, it appealed to moderates, it appealed to centrists, it appealed to Republicans as well. Yeah. And then, so, and then, and then wait a minute, then he goes to United States uh, Senate, same thing. And so the, the, the type of person you're describing, that ain't Obama. And in, no, fact, I, and in fact, progressives were highly critical of Obama because they said he was too moderate. Yeah. No, Roland, about that, you're totally right. I, I, I use Obama not as the progressive model. He, he went in a completely different track. He went in the establishment track. And he said, OK, I'm going to do whatever these politicians say and whatever the donors say. And, and that worked for him. 
But the reason I use him as an, but that was a different time. And the reason I use him as an example is after he got, you know, after he lost very, very badly to Bobby Rush at the congressional level, everybody thought he was nuts for running at the Senate level. How dare you run for the Senate when you got clowned running for Congress? And then he was only two years as a senator when he decided to take on the giant Hillary Clinton. And everybody thought he was crazy, that he had no data to back him up, no pathway, no other person that had done it. Right now that but that was a different time where going the establishment route would have worked. Now going the establishment route, basically for uh, voters under 50 means you're a sellout and and, and you're just doing whatever the donors say. And it's not going to work in the same way. But if you have an Obama like figure who is a progressive at this moment and is willing to take those chances and, by the way, take the ridicule and take the all the mud and all the things that people sling at them at this point, they can make the exact same kind of run, but on the progressive track rather than the establishment track. But, yeah, but, but I want to agree with you on one more thing. But I'm not just talking about presidential. What you're what you're describing. So this is very simple. Is this book Justice is Coming? How progressives are going to take over the country and America's going to love it. Is this really about Jank Ray for president, or is this a blueprint, or is this a blueprint, or is this, uh, if you will, a call to arms? Uh, for what uh, is going to happen in terms of progressive that Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine tingling shows on A&E Crime Central crave adventure explore Asian action movies on Hayah Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Signing up and playing is so easy. Simply sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you can get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more than ever. Place your money line, prop, and parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets. If you don't win your first bet, that's right, up to $1,500. Again, sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus in President Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. That's 1-800-GAMBLER. Let's take a moment to breathe. Deep inhale. Extend your spine. Remain focused on what you're doing. If safe to do so, exhale slowly, leaning to one side. Inhale back to center. If safe to do so, exhale slowly to the opposite side. Find mental health resources at loveyourmindtoday.org. This message is brought to you by the Huntsman Mental Health Institute and the Ed Council. You're describing winning nationally, winning gubernatorial races, winning uh, state races, winning U.S. Senate races, winning additional congressional races. And what I am saying is I get the Justice Democrats. I get those. What I'm saying is you got to graduate from congressional, from mayoral, from mayoral wins, congressional wins, 
DA wins to higher office. And so, and, and so with, who, are, who are the people? So let's say you find, you mentioned Fetterman. Okay, who are the folks that we should be looking out for? Give me names of individuals who do you believe are going to be going to the next level to win these larger offices using the model that you laid out? Who are they? Yeah. So first of all, let me address the thing that you said earlier, Roland. Uh, no, this book has nothing to do with this campaign. I started writing this book four years ago. It took way too long. It got released months ago. I never looked. We This interview got booked a long time ago uh, about the book. And you know we had delays, et cetera. Now, I, don't, I never even mentioned the URL where you could buy the book. I, I never even talk about it uh, now that I've transitioned to the presidential campaign. Uh, and I never even thought for a second that I would run. The only reason I'm running, Roland, is because... No one else had the courage to run, which goes partly to your point. Look, I asked every progressive to run. They wouldn't do it. Then I publicly asked for the Democratic governors to run against Joe Biden. Then I asked John Stewart to run against Joe Biden. I asked everybody and their mother to run against Joe Biden because he's definitely going to lose. He's 15 points lower than when he barely beat Trump last time in the Electoral College. But no one has that kind of courage, apparently. So then I was, uh, I, it's crazy for me to run. You think I don't know it's crazy? Of course I know, okay? The reason I'm doing it is because I got to shake people out of their complacency. And I have to show them, hey, look, if I can rise from 2% to 4% to 8% to whatever I can rise to, imagine what you could do if, if you don't have the issues that I have of not being a natural born citizen, et cetera, right? Imagine what anybody could do if they actually ran this way. So in a sense, I'm trying to be a role model and try to gather up the courage of these folks. Hey, try, stop listening to Democratic consultants. All they ever do is tell you to take the cash because they're going to take 15% of it. All they ever do oh, is tell you to behave and obey and comply. Look, Just look, I've been, fight. Give me one fighter, and I'll show you exactly what Barack Obama did, and unfortunately, what Donald Trump did. Okay, and I'm gonna ask. I'm gonna first of all, I, I I've been highly critical of the consultants, absolutely, when it comes to uh, them snatching the money, things along those lines. But I'm gonna ask again. Okay, the folks that you're describing, who are they? Who are the up and comers? If you're sitting, if somebody's watching and listening to this, and somebody who covers politics, who are the people? Who are the names we should be looking out for who are ready to go next level and fit the category or the description that you've laid out? Who are they? When, where are they? Look, I, I think that the 11 Justice Democrats uh, had a real shot at it. But you mentioned something earlier that we didn't get to explore too much. And I want to mention it here. Um, those folks are creating uh, a, a, an issue for themselves, uh, which is that they're, they're not understanding the problem of crime. And so when I say progressive, I mean all the issues that we all agree on as Democrats, all the ones that Joe Biden pretended he was going to do, right? But nobody's in favor of higher crime. And so r right now, unfortunately, they've, and, they're, and this culture wars are killing us. And they're meant to divide us. They're meant to distract us. If you had a progressive that was an economic populist, but was reasonable, moderate, whatever word you want to use on crime and social issues, that person would win easily. But unfortunately, a lot of the just Democrats have not gone in that direction. They've gone full cultural wars. 
and and when when we talked about criminal justice reform, we talked about letting poor people out of jail who just got busted on marijuana possession. That was an incredible injustice. And you know this better than anybody. White people, black people smoke marijuana at the same rate. Black people get arrested at four times the rate. That's the injustice we were trying to fix. But now that, you know, you got folks that they're letting out of prison that committed serious crimes like domestic assault and et cetera. And we can't, we can't do that. And it's, and it's leading to losses. So if any one of those guys regained their senses on those issues, then they would be in prime position. And and any Jamal Bowman could do it. But you bring that up, though. But again, when you talk about polling data, though, we, we see where uh, where a lot of these younger voters are that actually agree with them. That's one. Two, you mentioned you before you talked about media and how it works. A significant amount of that has been grossly overblown. I, look, that, that that was a re-election effort of uh, uh, of the DA in San Francisco, uh, and all everything was like, oh my God, how crime was exploding under the watch, but it wasn't. Right now, you got an effort to recall a black progressive DA in Oakland as saying, oh, her policies are creating this when actually they haven't. And so a lot of this is again, uh, look, you had Spanberger who was complaining about this in Virginia. Uh, oh, defund the police is killing us. No, actually, that wasn't it because there were other Democrats who won. You also just had some Democrats who lost because they were shitty campaigners. That also happened. So I, I, I get your point about uh, the crime deal, but I still, I still want to know who are five, six, seven, eight, ten people we should be looking out for, who, again, who fit your description, who you believe can win statewide, and then who can then win national? Who right now, outside of Fetterman, I, who, you know, fits that model? Who? So, but, Roland, you keep going back to the same thing, brother. I mean, you... No, no, you no, 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 I'm not. Here's why I'm saying that. I'm, as an African-American, and I've been, I've been doing this since I was 14 years old, when I was sitting here looking at individuals covering politics and looking at individuals who are up and coming, who are state rep, who are state senators... Uh, people who might be a commissioner. Uh, hey, who are potential mayoral candidates? Who are potential uh, folks who can run statewide? Because the reality is they've got to build something to actually get there, okay? Even if you take an Obama, an Obama was, frankly, that was lightning in a bottle. I mean, I'm telling you right now, that was lightning in a bottle, okay? To literally go from a state senator to president in the span of five years, I mean, that was lightning in a bottle. Uh, and so that 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 rarely happens, but that's just no, but that's president. not true, Roland. It happens no, no, all the time. That's just president. I'm talking about. I'm talking about. If you're talking about the movement that you're describing, there has to be, there has to be more than one person. And what I'm saying is, are we seeing this? Are we seeing this movement towards what you're describing? And if it is happening, then you could offer me. More names who's actually doing it. I okay, just no, no, you're thinking about it the wrong way, Roland. Let me let me let me address it in two ways. Number one, the problem with going from the bottom up, and everybody thinks you gotta go bottom up, you gotta go bottom up. But the problem is that that process corrupts you. 
So in order to win those elections one by one, what do you have to do? You have to go, go and beg the donors. You have to go beg corporations. You have to go beg rich people. Please, please, please let me be mayor, rich person. Please, please let me be a congressman. Please let me be senator, rich person. Please, please, please. By the time you're done with that, you're so dripping in corruption that you're never going to be the lightning in a bottle. No, what you actually need is the Obama model, and I, I keep, I hate to say it, but the Trump model. And they both, they were both lightning in a bottle, and they both came up from top. They didn't, you know, you mentioned, yeah, the Obama, Obama the bottom. I hear you on that. But again, but you Trump came at it from completely the top, and Obama jumped everybody in the proceedings. Of work. They were both lightning in a bottle. So I'm giving you precedent Jay, of Jay, people that came out of nowhere. Why you over can't and use over again, and you just won't, look, you won't hear it. You can't use Trump for Democrats and progressives because it doesn't work. It doesn't work. No one's ever tried it, Roland. No, 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 no. no, 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 no it doesn't Jay, work. Jay, Jay, Everyone who's tried it has won. Jay, you actually, you act, let me tell you, you actually think that Democrats and progressives are going to respond to a Trump-like Democrat, the same Republicans did? But, but not to the racism and the sexism and the crap like that. Of course not. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the populist end where they where he says, screw the politicians, screw the establishment, screw the system, screw the donors. Now, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't mean it. That's why that, he's that, such a that poison means, in this country. That means that if, means if, be, if you had a progressive who believed that and said that, yes, they would win in a landslide. And then the one that came closest to it of doing that you said, well, he didn't go hard enough, and that was Bernie. Yeah, if you give if if, if Bernie was a fighter, he'd have won easily. In 2020, he'd have won easily. In 2016, he would have been able to pull it out. You know that about a quarter of Trump supporters would have voted for Bernie? Why? Because they're looking for a populist, and the Democrats won't give them one. Give them a populist, and they're going to vote for you. But instead, we keep putting up corpses like Joe Biden. Oh, here's, here's a guy who's drenched in corruption. Here's he used to be the senator from MBNA, a credit card Jay, company. Here's why, Jay, Go Jay, work for this fossil Jay, who's Jay, obviously here's corrupt. Why, and Jay, here's why I absolutely disagree with you. And it is because the problem is it is what you're describing, that Trump candidate, is easier to run on the right because— the buttons they can push. Democrat progressive voters are simply more broad and have more varied interests. They just do. They just do. I mean, Why look, the Democrats as an African American. As Why do the Democrats stay home? Why do the younger voters stay home? Because we never give them a reason to show up. All of our guys, all of our lives, and Roland, you know this for a fact. Every Democrat promises the moon in the sky, then they get in and go, oh, there's nothing I could do. I didn't pass any of the damn bills. And, because and, all and, the and, 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 my dog, my dog, my homework, my dog, my They suck. They never no, deliver. Here's you were wrong early. shows up to vote for them. No, give them well, somebody to vote for. No, you, here's where you were wrong earlier when you say, well, I voted for you. And this, and that's wrong. I have long said that the election is the end of one process and the beginning of another. One of the mistakes that Democrats make and one of the mistakes that progressives make is that they do not have a post-election strategy. When you have individuals who do who, who do get in there and when they, when, when they go through the whole compromise game, what you fail to have is you fail to have uh, the, uh, the mechanisms, the machines, the groups, then are applying that level of pressure and challenging them when they're in there. I've said this about black people, and I've said, long said 
that just look what a philip randolph when he talked to fdr fdr said make me do it you have to make somebody do it when mlk said we're gonna put that be true to what you put on paper the problem the problem is is after the election folks are not then saying all right election is over now i'm about to ride your ass to actually get it done now what's so that, that that's one thing that has to happen but the other thing that also has to happen and it's just it's just a fact and that is democratic voters are so varied in their interest that is much easier on the republican side to frankly put stuff on a bumper sticker when democrats are totally different and i just don't believe that what you're describing is going to work on a broader scale because you're having to appeal to so many different interests in order to get to that number. So let's start, you, you brought up a perfect example, Roland, MLK. So now Martin Luther King wasn't in, wasn't, didn't run for office, right? But he was involved in politics and he put tremendous pressure on Lyndon Johnson. And when the Voting Rights Act and the Civil Rights Act were not good enough, he would not relent. No matter how much Lyndon Johnson and every Democrat in the world told him, you gotta relent, Martin, you gotta relent. You're, you're too tough on him. He wouldn't, he pushed him as hard as he could. And then at the right time, he took the deal. You've gotta have both sides. You've gotta have someone. But there were times though, when he also had to buckle to the pressure of the reality. So for instance, when they went to Atlantic City in 1964, when Fan Lou Hamer and the Mississippi Freedom Democratic Party, when they were putting pressure on them to integrate uh, uh, that uh, that party, uh, LBJ was focused on re-election. He called Ruther, who then said, "You pull, you tell King either you accept this deal or we're pulling your money." That's exactly what happened. When King went and told Fan Lou Hamer and Bob Moses and others, they were pissed at him and Byron Rustin, but they had to say, "Hey." Take this deal now, but we're going to have an integrated delegation in 1968. So there were moments when King yeah. was also practical. He yeah, was that's also, exactly what I said, though. So, so, right, no, but so what I'm saying. Yeah. So that actually happened. But but yeah. what? But what I'm also saying. What I'm also saying, though, is that even he had to had to accept uh, some constraints, if you will, of course. of actual politics. And what so, I'm saying is, I think the problem for the Democratic Party today is, and actually, it's not a problem. That's what's so crazy about this. The, the, the beauty to me of the Democratic Party, that it is much broader, it's much bigger, it, it, it's far more inclusive than the Republican Party. But the Republican Party is able to have a Trump-like candidate because, frankly, you can press two or three buttons and they will fall in line. And... Here's something else that Republicans will do that Democrats will not do. They will fall in line. You got Sununu, the governor of New Hampshire, who's been shitting on Trump left and right. Guess what he said the other day? He said, I'm a Republican. Bill Barr was shitting on Trump in a whole interview about how awful and dumb he was. But when asked if he gets a nomination, will you vote for him? He says, I'll vote for him. They, Republicans, understand power. Democrats, no. Democrats will actually check out Mad, upset, their person didn't win. Republicans be like, "Damn that, we want power." So, Roland, as I told you, Martin Luther King and Rustin, who's a genius, they worked together uh, to put tremendous pressure on Lyndon Johnson, and then they took the deal at the right time. They were both. They created a lot of good trouble, and that's the part the Democrats are missing now. And then they were practical at the right time. That's the exact combo that we need. 
Okay, but the problem now is the Democrats don't create any trouble and they don't push anyone. And the minute Biden gets elected, you know, people say, oh, well, you should just push Biden. And I push Biden and they go, how dare you? No, 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 you know how much crap I've gotten? No, the Democratic Party is now totally authoritarian. They're more authoritarian than the Republicans. They all are forced to obey and comply. It's disgusting. They never challenge their leaders. Are you talking about they they all rally on the Trump side? No, they fought Trump tooth and nail. Whereas no one's fighting Biden, even though you all know he's going to lose. No one's daring to fight Biden. What I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, again, this is where I go back to frankly, the thesis of your book. When I talk about movements, when I talk about groups, in order to do what you're talking about, it's not actually going to happen with individuals. It happens when movements. And so what I'm saying is this here, when I'm saying, like, for instance, what you're describing, you know what? Our, I thought our revolution would actually do that. Uh, and, and so what I'm saying is this here, I still fundamentally believe, fundamentally believe, that in order for what you're describing to happen, you're going to have to see folk not just only run for president, you gotta see it on a statewide level. And I'm not seeing enough of it. I hope it happens, but I haven't seen it. Outside, so, of, Roland, outside of John Fetterman, outside of John Fetterman, you've only given me one name. So Roland, all 50 states. If, you, if you saw if you saw Rustin and MLK in '58, you'd have told them there's no movement. You guys have been losing for a hundred years no, straight. No, 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 actually, no, actually, no, no, years no, 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 if you try to go national, that's not what made it successful. What made it successful is that they went local and built it to national and they achieved wins, which is why. I Remember, what you just described, I asked, actually asked you that. I said, if you have, again, to fit your definition in terms of progressives who can win, I've said, do you have folks who are mayors or DAs in local offices, are they running statewide? You mentioned justice Democrats. So this is this, the, the civil, the Black Freedom Movement was able to be successful because Montgomery success. They moved to Albany, wasn't a success because of the sheriff there. Then all of a sudden, they understood how to build successes, how to build local, how to build leaders. And what I'm saying is, looking at your model, I need to see is that being built. It can't just be built but, in the top. But, Roland, how much more can I do than building Justice Democrats? I founded that. So I, I got, built, No, 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 no. I got that. And what I'm saying is— no, but, but hold on, hold on. Democrats winning congressional seats, is that—I'm asking you again. Is that translated into higher office? So, Roland, you're it's looking not. at— you, no, you're looking at the first third of a movie and going, oh, no, you can't win because I, I've only seen no, the no, first no, third. No, 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 I said what I said. So now when I started 21 years ago, everybody th there was no progressives in media other than black radio, okay? And then so, yeah. and then we built it up an empire that was impossible. Then I started, it, so all of a sudden, it turns out progressives can win in media. And then we, so I started Justice Democrats, and all of a sudden, everybody thought it was impossible, and we got 11 in. So that's grassroots, that's building from the top, 
uh, from the bottom up. So we've done every step of the process. Now right. I'm doing the presidential. Hold on. Now I'm doing the presidential race. So I've done media. I've done grassroots. I've done Congress. Now we're doing presidential. What else do you want me to do? Do you want me to write the ending of the movie and then give no, it to no. you? And then you go after no, I win, you go, no, oh, okay, no, I see it now. No, no, so you would stop every movie no, right in the middle no, and go, no, no not a no, impossible. No, don't do it. Don't no, do it. Get out wrong. of here. No, just that's take wrong. the campaign money. That's vote wrong. for losers like Joe Biden that's and Hillary Clinton who lose to uh, Donald Trump. Not it. Just let them take all the stupid Jack, money from the corporate donors. Jack, is not it. What I'm saying is this here. The model that you have, the def, the model that you have described, in order for it to happen nationally, you're going to have to win statewide races. And what I'm saying is, and I've asked you three or four times, and you haven't given me any name. Uh, what I'm, no, Jake, I have. Same what I, question what I'm in 1958. What I'm, what I'm saying, and what I'm the same exact question. How dare you? Jake, How dare Jake, you organize Jake, the civil rights movement? Jake, you can't no, no, show me Jake, any wins. Jake, you Jake, can't show me Jake, any wins. Jake, 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 and what I'm saying is, the next evolution, the next evolution has to be how do you translate justice Democrats wins in congressional races to now statewide and national? That to me is the next challenge. I didn't say it can't happen. What I said is in order for what you're describing, in order for the thesis of your book, when you say how progressives are going to take over the country and America is going to love it, is that it is going to have to take folks going to the next level. And when I act, the only person who you mentioned, Fetterman, is the only example who's won statewide. And what I'm saying is, in order for this to happen, there are going to have to be more statewide wins to make this happen. Yeah, and that's exactly what I'm trying to do, Roland. And 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 why have we interviewed hundreds of progressives on TYT, my network? That you know, it gets no clicks at all. It's like we try so hard to get those folks press. Uh, it's not a thing that because I do the same thing. And look, I know what I know what people click on. I purposely don't do gossip. I don't do Zeus Network fights. I don't do stuff that you see on Hollywood Unlocked in the Shade Room and some of these other different people. Because my whole deal is, if you want to go there for that kind of stuff, that's great. But someone has to build this here. But I, but but I am I'm absolutely into. I understand, and I've spent significant time studying the Black Freedom Movement, talking to the architects of it or how it was done. And what I'm saying is what you're describing, the next the next phase definitely is going to be statewide. And when I look at what happened to Beto in Texas, and I look at young voters, what I keep telling young voters is, hey, I get it. You want to be excited. You want to be fired up. But here's the whole deal. While you're waiting for that person, Shit is being passed. It ain't helping you. So you know what? You better get in the game regardless of whether you get excited or not. Because guess what? Somebody's going to win whether you vote or not. Final comment. Yeah. Yeah. And the reason I brought up the interviews with progressives, even though they don't do well for us, uh, you know, from a business perspective, is because I'm giving people an opportunity left and right. Every chance I get, I give others an opportunity so they can rise up in the same exact ways that you're talking about. Whether it's Jamal Bowman and Corey Bush and AOC who won, whether it's Nina Turner who lost, whether it's the next Bowman or Turner that comes by, we give them an opportunity at TYT and the Young Turks because we believe what you're saying, Roland, which is we need an army. We need a grassroots army. We need to win in Congress. We need to win at the state level. And at the state level, only one person has ever tried it. It's John Fetterman. So 
we're one for one. So give me more of those candidates. Let's go run those candidates and give it to me at every level, including the presidential level. And that's why I'm here at jankforamerica.com. Uh, my site's also bidenisgonnalose.com. That redirects to my site because he's going to lose, and we all know it. We're all on the Titanic. Either grab a lifeboat or turn the wheel, turn the wheel, get somebody other than Joe Biden because he is definitely going to lose to Donald Trump. And I, I don't want to voluntarily run into an iceberg. I don't want to hand this country over to Trump. And that's what Biden's planning to do with his egomaniacal uh, run. Oh, I need to be a two-term president. My ego is more important than anything else. He's a narcissist. Get rid of him. Hey, look, get a better candidate. Here's the whole deal. Okay, anybody, anybody didn't think Biden wasn't going to run for a second term when he ran the first term, they're nuts. The reality is here. When he won, look, I, I wasn't delusional. I, I said, if you tripping about Biden being uh, his age now, well, hell, he was old when he ran the first time. He was always going to run for a second term. The last president who chose not to run for a second term was LBJ. That was going to happen. So I'm not I'm not confused. I'm not shocked, confused that he's running for a second term at all. That was always going to happen. I know. That's why I'm here to talk about. Hell, Reagan ran for a second term. It was going to happen. So it's not like anybody is shocked that he ran for a second term. Folks, the book is called Justice is Coming, How Progressives Are Going to Take Over the Country, and America is Going to Love It uh, by uh, Jank Uger. Jank. Uh, we appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. Thank you, Roland. I appreciate the conversation. All right. Enjoy. Thank you, brother. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Snakes, zombies, sharks, heights, speaking in public. The list of fears is endless. But while you're clutching your blanket in the dark, wondering if that sound in the hall was actually a footstep, the real danger is in your hand when you're behind the wheel. And while you might think a great white shark is scary, what's really terrifying and even deadly is distracted driving. Eyes forward. Don't drive distracted. Brought to you by NHTSA and the Ad Council. Hey, it's Zuko and Kayla from The Wake Up Call. Enjoy your podcast, but when you're done, don't forget about us. We have a radio show. We try to bring a smile to your face every morning. We also talk to some of the hottest country stars of today, and we like to share some good news with That's What I Like. Because Lord knows that's hard to find. When you're done podcasting your podcast, listen to us at 92.3 WCOL. Set your preset on your radio right now, and don't forget you can listen to us online on the iHeartRadio app.